Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Guys, I'm right here, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Milk Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And I'm Paul Moak. Paul Moak is here. Yeah. Give it up for Paul. And the whole world rejoiced. And they really did. How long has it been? Lulu. We have been recording. Oh, yeah, Lulu. We've been recording for 38 seconds. <laughs> this one's too long. Let's go ahead and cut when it. When was Let's Lulu? Wrap it up. Uh, oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. Months ago, before the tour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it was like last fall or something. Okay. You know what's funny about that whole ex- experiment is because we did that, the f- we did two parts. The first part, I was like shitting on Lou Reed. Right. And some listeners, I want to say shout out to Carl and I think Jamila too, were like, you really need to check his shit out. And I did. And now you're Well, I got really in, I got really into two records. I don't know if you guys ever do this, but like the two records I got into were Transformer in Berlin, uh-huh. back-to-back records in the early 70s, and really, truly blew me away. Yeah. And kind of changed my whole perspective on him. Didn't get any other records. Wow. Like, it's just those two are enough for now. Yeah, probably, sure. yeah. Everyone's like, dude, you got to check out the six records you made in the 80s. I'm like, maybe right. when I'm 50. <laughs> right. Like, I found the things that, that spoke to me. He's got to pass forever just for writing the song Perfect Day. I did listen to that going home from one of the Do you like it? Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I first heard the Duran Duran cover, and I thought it was a Duran Duran song. Mm. So then when I was burning down Transformer, I was like, holy shit, he wrote this? Yeah. And then I was like, surely he co-wrote this with some heavy. Right. Yeah. No, he wrote it. Yeah. I wow. mean, it sounds like he can hardly sit down at a piano, but you something's going on if you're writing that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, people kind of give Dylan shit, like the blown in the wind three-chord thing, but if you listen to any later Dylan, like Time Out of Mind On, his chord choices are crazy. Totally. Mm-hmm. Especially his new record. And it's like, did he get outside writers? And you look, and it's like, no, man, he just always wrote his own shit. Yep. Yeah. He just kept getting Keeping better. Keeping it going. He just kept learning. Right. But man, that for him, for Lou Reed to sit at a piano and write "Perfect Day," I'm like, okay, you get a pass okay, forever yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And yet, I have no curiosity about any of his other records. Yeah, you guys ever do that? Yeah, yeah. I can think of several like celebrities that I'm into their whole aesthetic and vibe, but I've never really like checked it out. Yeah, for real, like Iggy Pop. Mm. Never checked out a Stooges record. Nope. They're hard to listen to. Really. So, so much music you have to be in the right spot for it. And I think the older yeah. you get, the more true that Yeah, becomes. the Stooges is like that. It's like Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you have to be in the mood to watch that? Yeah. Really? I can watch I that. I don't know. No, I, dude, I just had a fight with my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now. Yeah. And we went directly from being in a fight to the theater to see Anchorman. And like halfway through it, I was like, I'm so not into this. She's like, I'm not either. I'm not ready to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> one of the dumbest arguments I ever gotten to with my wife is I showed her Godfather one and two. <laughs> like we had a whole night of it, which that's a long thing, right? And of course, the whole time I'm just like watching it, like it, like it's the first time, yeah. And she patiently watched it, and we burnt the whole thing down and fade to black. And I looked at her and I said, "Well, 
And she goes, well, what? And I said, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. This is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. And she goes, it was pretty good. Oh, God. <laughs> and I, I, I just couldn't. This is before we had kids. I was just a different guy. And, like, I just couldn't. Like, it made me mad. Right. Yeah. And she was like, why are you getting so mad? I said it was good. I was like, this movie makes me proud to be a human being. Yeah. Right. To walk the earth at the same time as Francis Ford Coppola and to be privileged enough <laughs> to watch it. Right. And she was like, yeah, I just thought it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we didn't talk for like a day after that. <laughs> Albums are like that too. There's, 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 and I think maybe musicians or even producers, engineers and stuff like that hear things obviously differently. Where I'll be so impacted by some record, I'm like, oh my god, you have to listen to it with headphones and front to back. And they're like, yeah, I checked that one song on my iPhone; it was fine. You yeah. just have to be ready to receive it, and not everyone's at that spot. And, yep. But there have been certain artists that, when I got hip to it, I wanted everything they ever did. Mm-hmm. Like when I when the when the Paul Simon thing finally happened to me, which wasn't that long ago, maybe ten years ago. I got I was late to the Beatles. I think the Beatles I was like 22. Mm. ELO. When I got into Jeff Lynne, it was like I want to hear everything they did. Randy mm-hmm. Newman, and then some artists, you're like really surprised by how good it is and then you're like the one record's enough right yeah. right i don't know if i have the time to do his whole thing yeah it's for sure 40 years it's a lot of stuff yeah we are an all metallica podcast welcome to the show thanks for joining <laughs> us our our wonderful guest host paul moke is here we're at the lovely smokestack hq4 and it's a big night oh, wait it's just hq3 this is three yeah, yeah it's three. sorry i get the i get all of our hq four is out front right now and we are going to listen to 72 seasons together we're going to burn the whole thing down we're going to give you our thoughts last episode Ethan had only listened to the record a couple times. I don't listen to it one time. We were fried on the road. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple, well, I've had less than 48 hours home to recharge. I've been burning the record down, having a good time. Oh, yeah. Ready to talk about it. Yeah. Yes. Ready to get into it. Get into the thick of the weeds. Yeah. So, Ethan, why don't you why don't you lead us over the mountain? I would love to steer the ship here. Not much news that makes exciting stuff. Obviously, uh, they the released record, a record. Well, yeah, well, we've already talked about it on the, <laughs> on the podcast, Paul. Welcome back to the show, Paul. Uh, as of this episode, they've, they've released a video for every track on the record, blah, blah, blah. The tour starts uh, as of this, this airing of the episode on Thursday in Amsterdam, April 27th. So that's exciting. These videos don't do much for me. No, they mm. don't. Which is why I said blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've seen a few of them. They seem hastily made. They seem designed to just be present on the internet. It's just content. It's content. It's yeah. just yeah. content. Yeah. You know? Content is king. Where's Moonwalker? Yeah. Where, right. Where's the video where Michael Jackson not only turns into a tiger... <laughs> But at the end, he turns into a spaceship. Yeah. Where's the Unforgiven? Where's the Unforgiven? Sad guy in black and white, grayscale, trying to, himself get, out. trying to get out of this, yeah. trying to dig through a hole. Yeah. Where's Slash playing on top of a mountain with a little church on it? How about the little weird guy in the tool video for Sober that will give you nightmares the rest of your life? Yeah. Where's Lars with the guy liner? Where's Lars with the guy liner? And where's James Hibble rubbing shit on himself? Exactly. Well, yeah. those days are gone. Yeah, it's all just content, which, I mean, I understand why they do it in this, this day and age. Like, their media team is just throwing all that shit out there yeah it's just kind of they're, they're, they're just boring it's just filler stuff now when the first like one or two came out because it was like exciting to hear lux eterna mm-hmm. like holy shit hell yeah they look great you know the video looks cool but there's you know there's like two animated ones and they did know. that a lot with hardwire too they yeah did, we had one for every or every song you know the best animated video ever was do the evolution you guys remember that no what's that i do you don't know what that is I remember i'm telling you you feel like a fake pearl Jam is that fan. better than paranoid android though it's close do the evolution was a single off yield 1998's okay. Yield. Yeah. And it was their first video since... Oh, so uh, Jeremy. Since since 10. Yeah. 
Wow. I don't know what the order of videos from 10. I don't know if Jeremy was the last one, but they did a video for Alive and Even Flow. You know what both mm-hmm. of those are subservient to? What? Genesis, Land of Confusion. Oh, yeah, with the puppets. And dude, shit. that oh, is some yeah. scary stuff, that was man. A, dude, when they're in the bed and the what, getting oh, waterboarded dude. in the bed? Yeah. Reagan? Waking, waking up like in a bed full of water, like drowning? Reagan puppet? God, that was yeah. a creepy video. You know, it was, was so creepy. I was enjoying my life having somehow completely forgotten about that, yeah. but now I'll be haunted <laughs> in my dreams. Just ruined the episode, Paul. All right, but the videos aren't that much to, to write home yeah, about. Yeah, there's not much uh, there, but uh, they're out there. You want to watch them, blah, blah, blah. Rolling socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we're going to get to the email corner tonight, and we have a couple different things. We're going to do a couple emails. We're going to do a couple people's thoughts from social media on our socials uh, and their thoughts on the record. Uh-oh. She kind of gets prepared. We got some good, we got some bad, but, you know, it's all good. Well, let's kick it to the email corner, fellas. What do you say? Let's go. Let's do it. Meddle up your podcast emails. Meddle up your podcast emails. Hey. Someone wrote in one time. And they were like, what are you saying in that jingle? I was like, <laughs> metal up your podcast emails. They were like, wow. wow. I could not tell what that was. They're like, mind-blowing. <laughs> is it hard to understand You should have asked them, what do you think you hear? Whatever you hear is what you it's want like, to hear. Please That's right. excuse me while I kiss this guy. <laughs> please love me, Dad. Please love me, Dad. <laughs> please love me, Dad. <laughs> Our first email is from Braxton uh, Nezovich. Nice. Hey, hey, boys. Just wanted to write. I really landed that. I yeah, didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't either. <laughs> Soft K. What's funny is when I put this together today, I was like, okay, this is a weird one. I was like, Ninovich, Ninovich. I just kept repeating it. Well, it works. It's not Ninovich. It's N- Nezo- Nezo- Nezovich. Nezovich. So I didn't land it. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Nezovich. Nezovich. Braxton Ninovich says, hey, boys. Just wanted to write in a quick email. Wanted to thank you two for inspiring me to pick up the guitar more often. Oh, you're welcome. Awesome. I've played casually for the last eight years or so, but you guys have motivated me to learn more and create. You guys rock for that. Uh, I'll attach a pic below of my new Epiphone to Les Paul. I just bought a few days ago. Uh, and consider- the Les Paul? The Les Paul? <laughs> Have we not made that joke yet? I don't yet? know. That's I so know. good. We haven't made that for joke. Real. For real. Les Paul? Paul? <laughs> and considering this is a Metallica podcast, I'll go ahead and say this. Even though it came out yesterday, I need a bit more time with it. 72 Seasons kicks ass. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. All the best, Braxton. Well, thanks, Braxton. You're about to find out all of our deepest, darkest thoughts about the mm-hmm. album. Just stay right. tuned. All right. Elliot, Elliot Corneos says, hey, Clint Ethan. Elliot Corey Neos here, just writing in to say good day, mates. Hope you're both well. Do we have a shrimp on the Barbie somewhere? Good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the Barbie. Okay, there it is. Hope you're both well and how much I'm lo- loving 72 Seasons. Got into the band 15 years ago when Death Magnetic was released. I'm 26 years old currently and did a deep dive into their classic stuff, which blew me away. But as I've gotten older, I've discovered more of an appreciation for their later albums, Load and Reload. 72 Seasons sounds like the album celebrates Metallica's entire 42-year career, funnily enough. My 72 Seasons record literally says 42 years of Metallica in 77 minutes. You can hear the thrash elements to the hard rock style of the mid to the late 90s that they adopted, and it sounds like they spent a lot of time refining each track. I'm really impressed with how each song turned out. They each have their own identity, which is what I've loved about Metallica's music since I became a fan. I think James's vocals are the best he's ever sounded. Mm. There are some vocal lines and harmonies across the songs which I've never heard from him before. You can really hear the emotion in his vocal delivery. Not to mention Kirk's solos are the best he's ever played in the last 15 years. Ian says, parenthetically, the hardwired solos sounded uninspired. Rob and Lars are consistent as always, doing their thing to keep the songs rocking. I appreciate and love Metallica for what they did for music in the 80s and 90s, but I love how their sounds developed post-Sane Anger. You can really hear how much fun they're having on 72 Seasons, and it makes me proud to be a fan. 
I think that we're so lucky to experience another Metallica record. They don't come around too often anymore. I hope they come out with at least another album before they call it a day. But if 72 Seasons is the last Metallica record we'll ever get, boy, oh boy, have we been seriously treated to some amazing Metallica music in their modern era. Thanks for doing what you guys do. Love being able to celebrate a new Metallica record with a like-minded community in Metal Up Your Podcast. Looking forward to many more of your episodes and representing the Metal Up Your Podcast community here in Sydney, Australia, New Jersey's. Good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. He says, stay safe, legends. Peace. Elliot. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Elliot. Yeah, nice thoughts email. on the album. Yeah, that was a good one. All right, next up from Adam Debussy. Nailed it. Hey, Clint, Ethan, and dear Paul. Oh, Paul. Les Paul? Les Paul? <laughs> you know what You know what we have when Paul's not on the episodes with us? Les Paul. Les Paul. Uh, <laughs> someone, so someone's listening somewhere in the world for the first time. Wow. Yeah. Adam says, just wanted to get my thoughts on the new album. I absolutely love it. It's given me more than I was anticipating. I already like it more than Hardwired, especially the back half of the album. Something that stands out for me is Rob and Kurt to having a lot more of an influence and impact on this album over Hardwired. And James, my goodness, me. Oh, and James, my goodness, me, sounds as good as he did in the late 90s across the entire album. He's the highlight of the album. I think the sequencing of the album is really well done. Even though it is pretty unrelenting, I will admit. I agree with that. Standing out, standout songs are 72 Seasons, Shadows Follow, If Darkness Had a Sun, Too Far Gone, Room of Mirrors, and Inamorta. <laughs> half the record. Yeah, half the record. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually made me cry so hard. It's amazing how powerful their music still is. I hope you guys will do a listen-through episode. Well, spoiler alert, it's happening. We're going to do it it's right now. Live in the now, bro. <laughs> Uh, I hope you guys. What's that from? I don't know. Live in the now. What is that? I don't don't know. know. Uh, Oh, is it Wayne's World? Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's Wayne's World. Dude, live in in the the now. now. Is it Garth that says that? Yeah. We need to put it in the machine. I got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Yeah. I got nowhere else to go. I I love you, man. Thank you. Yeah, we need to load the magic box up with some Wayne's World. The other day we pulled up the scene of. them trading all, training all the roadies. Oh, yeah, when they're shooting tennis yeah. balls at them oh when they pick God, up yeah. the mic down with that string. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so Why good. Why don't you just go home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope you guys will do a listen-through episode. It would be awesome even with Paul. Paul, that's Paul. Thank you so much for the podcast. It's exciting times to be a Metallica fan. That is true. Uh, my heart is so full of joy. Aww. Much love from Adam Debussy from Sydney, Australia. Oh, we got another. Wow. Good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the bottom. I guess it's Australia Day. He <laughs> says New GD Jersey. New GD Jer- oh, yeah. Jersey, that's right. Um, well, thanks, dude. That's really cool, Adam. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Our next email is from Joe Zappi. Oh, wait, this is a good one. Good day, sirs. Good day, sir. <laughs> you lose. You stole fizzy, fizzy lifting, lifting drink. Drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and, and sterilized. So you get nothing. nothing. You lose. <laughs> Amazing scene. He says, I just watched the boys perform the acoustic version of Black and on the Howard Stern on Howard Stern. And I was curious if you would be interested in hearing an acoustic studio record. If so, what songs do you like to see get an acoustic treatment like Blackened? Thanks, as always, for everything, brothers. Joe's Abbey from Walkertown, North Carolina, New Jersey. Man, that, the Stern thing, all of it was great. I didn't see it. 
I watched the performances. I didn't watch the whole interview. It's it's a lot of stuff that everyone knows. Yeah. So it was a little boring. I thought. What were your takeaways? Man, Kirk still doesn't know how to answer a question. No. When he starts talking, dude, it's just like a countdown. Like, I know. It's turbulence Like, for sure. we're crashing into the fucking forest. Yeah. Stern is asking him about Greeny, which we all know all about the guitar. Right. But, you know, for the Stern show, it's there's a lot of listeners that probably don't know that stuff. Oh, and, yeah. And they, they're trying to keep it basic. Yeah. You right. know, 101 yeah. material. And he just fumbles all over his words. There's, you know? a, there's an excerpt from the Stern thing where they're at talking about Sandman. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how the original rip was just the whole Twice thing. Twice as long... And then he goes, and then what he said to me, you know, is he said, just do the first part, th- you know, he goes three or four times. I don't even know. Yeah. And James just starts laughing. <laughs> oh, dude. He's like, <laughs> he's like, do you know, know. you know how to play the song? And right? it's not a super, I did see that. It's one. not a super friendly laugh. I love when, uh, he said, I heard you paid $2 million for that guitar. And, and he's like, I did not pay $2 million <laughs> for lose. that guitar. <laughs> and, uh, Good day, sir. and he's like, well, what happened? And he's like, well, guy brought it to a show and James actually steps up and he's like, he brought it to the show and I told him I didn't want to buy it. Like James, James was the first on one. And, uh, so of course they all start laughing about that. And then, uh, wow, that's brutal. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, when did you guys get married? And it's like, well, I was dating her first and right. then passed it up. So that I let him marry her. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Dang. then, then Lars from behind the kit was like, well, I actually played it first. <laughs> <laughs> Even Howard Stern played it before Kirk Yeah, it was Kirk pretty did. funny. You yeah, know exactly. that, that clip of when he's playing Sandman, he's playing this black guitar. It actually looks like my black Les Paul. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a, either a 58 or a 59. Someone told me about this. He and, got it at Carter's. But they never made him in black yeah. in those years. So we were talking a, about the other day. It was yeah. like a one-off that yeah. he got. So I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Obviously, too, he's been watching my Morgan Wade videos. Yep. Yeah. That guitar looks exactly like the one I'm, with the Bigs BB7 and everything. Yep. There's only one difference. It's from 1958 or 9. Like uh, a couple of commas and yeah. zeros. A couple zeros, yeah. He also has the uh, the open, um, like the zebra pickups. Uh-huh. I never went for that. You like that? I do. You do? Yeah. You, you would take that over, you know the, why? over the nickel? Why? Just slash? You about to hit me some engineering knowledge? <laughs> no, some The Gibbs, way they're coiled. Some Gibson knowledge. Uh, the pickup is the same. Right. It just has a nickel cover on it right. or whatever. But back in the day when Gibson was making... You know, 58 and 59. What year were they making those? <laughs> Does it, is that the... Are, they, you, are you talking about the Les Paul? Yeah. <laughs> they had, obviously, cream-colored pickups uh-huh. and black. And... The world was so black and white then. When when they were putting nickel covers on, they would... If they only had... Let's say they had enough cream and then one cream left over, they would throw a black because it didn't matter because it would have the nickel cover on mm, it mm-hmm. so the zebra is actually very hard to find because ah. most of them were matched pairs back in the day that doesn't make it cool so if you find a 58 59 les paul that has the zebra pickups in it it's like super collector you know we'll keep on the lookout for one of those was there anything else interesting about the start interview that sticks out to you other than them saying, this is our most personal album. <laughs> this album is really special. Uh, I thought the live performance of Lux Eterna was insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. James's right hand. Still I, got it, man. Remember that, remember that video that came out, like, uh, last year sometime where he was on stage talking about how... He felt old and He stuff. felt old and mm-hmm. they couldn't play anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, watching that. I'm, like, I'm 20-something years younger than you and I can't play that i know like most of the response to that was like wow how brave how brave the part of me was like fuck you yeah like you can play fine 
you're one of the best ever. You have a machine gun right hand. You're okay. It's like LeBron being, you know. I know we're all bi- biased Metallica fans, but might be one of the best rhythm guitarists of all time. Malcolm Young, James Hetfield. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen does not get the credit for his rhythm playing. Your boy, uh, Sam. Is it Sam? Mm-hmm. The new guy playing with Ann? Yeah. You said he's a big EVH uh, guy? No, no, no. What's that guy's name? Ryan. Ryan's. Yeah. I don't, why did I say Sam? I don't, because Sam works <laughs> for me. Sam! Uh, Sam. What's, are we putting the lunch order in? Eddie Van Halen, underrated rhythm guitar player. Yeah. I would say Dimebag also. But yeah, James. I would put James at the top of the list. Yeah, oh, he's a, he's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, top five. I would say Malcolm James Riff Master. Yeah, and totally. especially when it comes to writing riffs. I know, I know. Uh, Keith Richards. It seems weird to say no to that, but that doesn't ping anything in yeah. me. Great guitar player, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think of him like as a rhythm guy. Yeah, I'm, I have a hot take about this Blacken thing. I don't really like the Blacken acoustic version. It's, I know it's fine. I know it's important. I haven't and, seen and, it because James is basically saying in all the press now that he's basically saying that Blacken 2020 is the catalyst for 72 seasons right. because there was pandemic times. Everyone was scared. Everyone I did was see bored. That. And it was him saying, well, how can I just do something creative? And then he talks about like one of the big things for him. He actually said this. I think it was in the Stefan Shirazi interview, Stefan Shirazi. God damn it. I'll never get that right. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Stefan, where he says um, it was a big thing of relinquishing control because what he had the idea. He, of course, he's the creative engine of the band, despite what Lars wants people to believe. Right. And, he said he just did his part and he just sent it to the guys and said, put whatever you want on it. Yeah. And he talks about how that was a big deal because it got him moving creatively. And then he, it was like a big deal for him to just let the other guys do whatever they did. Right. Yeah. And so for that reason, I'm glad they did it. It's sure. interesting. Yeah. But like the, the disposable heroes rehash, they did it with creep. They did it with blackened. Mm-hmm. They did it with all of them. I think all within my hands is the best version. Right. The best of like version of reimagining. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if I would want to hear them do a whole record of it. No, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think to answer Joe's initial question, is I, I'd, I'd rather have a new metallic record like this than an acoustic record any day. Agreed. Because you can hear basically when they do these uh, these All Within My Hand charity gigs, those are all acoustic mm-hmm. versions of all their songs. Right. So you can hear Bleeding Me and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you want to hear the acoustic versions, just, I mean, that's a perfect setting for them to arrange something like that. But to put out a record and take the time to record all that... I'd rather get another Metallica record. Um, all right, we're going to read some uh, comments from our Instagram. I'm going to read all of these, and we're just going to let everyone respond to these if there's anything to respond to. Thanks to everyone who hangs out with us on the socials. You can find us wherever people are on socials. Bellhop says Metallica will never win. Their fan base is too big, stretches over too many eras. Any other six-year-old dudes releases an album like this, the world would lose their mind. They're a victim of their own success. It's near impossible to please everyone. They did a great job capturing their art, and hopefully everyone can take something away from it. What do y'all think about that? I agree. I completely agree. agree. Yeah. I saw someone saying, I don't know if you picked this one out, Ethan, because we got quite a quite a lot. We got like 70 responses yeah, there's on, a lot. on our Instagram post. But I did see one guy that wrote a pretty thoughtful negative review. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that made me think about it, I thought about it for a long time, where he was saying he think he believes it's lazy. He believes that this is a lazy album. Right. And something really bothered me about that, not in a bad way, like he's entitled to his opinion, but... I don't think it. I I don't think they were lazy. No, like, I don't there's, either. There's at actually all. a lot of TLC on this album. Yes. Paul generously blasted "Looks Eterna" for us on his amazing uh, playback speakers here in the main control room of Smokestack, and there's obviously a lot of love in it. Yeah. I think what we're dealing with is they're brushing up against the edges of what they can do anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like, not to turn it into basketball, but it did make me think about LeBron, who's in the playoffs, playing at a high level, 20 years in the league, 38 years old. He will legendarily be the dude until someone surpasses him playing at the level he's playing at at his age. Right. He's doing things different than he used to. 
he's not driving anymore as much. He chooses his moments. And there are right. people like, why doesn't he just drive the ball more? He can't, dude. Yeah. Right. He has to reinvent how he's playing basketball to stay in the game. Yep. I think that's what's going on. I think that's what James is wrestling with when he's talking on stage about, I'm old, I can't right. do this anymore, mm-hmm. I'm having a weak night or whatever. And I think they're experiencing that with their songwriting. Yeah. Like, mm. they're, they're, they're in their mid-60s. They're, I just can't see them writing another Creeping Death right. yeah, for at sure. this point. And I, I just think that's not laziness. It's, it's just them touching the walls of what they're now capable of. It's mm-hmm. like, dude, I was trying to put a TV up on our mantle in our new house, and like... Ten years ago, I would have just picked, you know, I, 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 it would have been nice to have <laughs> right. help, but I would have just picked this motherfucker up. Yeah. And no one was there to help me except my wife, and she really couldn't do it. And I was like, I don't think I can pick this TV up. Yeah. It's like you just start to brush up against your own limitations. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, for them creatively, what, what song did you say? Creeping Death? Yeah. They would never write another Creeping Death? Right. They don't want to write another Creeping They've Death. They've moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Ethan and I talked about this in the last episode, um, and maybe we can get into this as we start to talk about the album, but... We are comparing them to what they did. They're not doing that necessarily. Right. That's not what yeah. artists do. Not good ones don't do that. True. And I saw an interview with James today where he was doing press in Australia. By the way, um, he was doing like Australian uh, radio. Oh yeah. Good day, yeah. mate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put another. It's the it's the nervous <laughs> laugh between. <laughs> yes. I'm telling good you. Good day, mate. And the beats of the laugh are what make yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So fucking genius. <laughs> But he was saying, basically, uh, the interviewer, God bless him, was saying, you know, you've gotten some um, positive and negative feedback. How do you process that? That's an interesting question to yeah. me. Yeah. And James says, you know, we know that we made a fantastic album. Wow. And I love that he used the word fantastic. Yeah. And he said, you know, he's like, I get it. People are going to like it or not like it. That's not really up to me. He's like, but we made an album that we want to listen to. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, and, and if people want to hop on the ride, come on. I was like, man, that's fucking cool. Yeah, very cool. To me, it just sounds like a band that's operating in their strengths in a healthy way. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But it, it, I do agree with this email or this Instagram post. It's like when uh, Kiss released Psycho Circus. Oh, boy. Yeah, I was there for it. I saw that tour. So. That it, was with Bruce Fairbairn. They could do no. I mean, they could, couldn't please no. everybody. No. They're too big at that point. So even though it's the four original guys yeah. coming back, it was a very split reaction to I it. can tell you, dude, um, I saw the Psycho Circus tour, yeah. which was right after the reunion tour. So it was a big deal. The like As you mentioned, the four OG members for the first time since, not even Creatures of the Night, since Dynasty. Even Well, no, Peter Chris didn't play on Dynasty. God, since fucking Unmasked or Rock and Roll Over. Anyway, yeah. that doesn't matter. They made an album. They all wrote for it, yep. right? When they they only played two songs on that tour from that album. They played Psycho Circus and they played Ace Fraley instead of Shock Me played his big song that I'm called Into the Void. Everyone took a PP break. Yeah. Mm. No one gave a fuck. At a certain point it gets so hard to compete with your body of work when your you're that hits. big. Yeah. Right. When you got when you've got ninety minutes or two hours to play, what's two hours? <laughs> yeah. That's an ninety minutes, an hour and a half, two hours is longer than that. Um yeah, everyone's going to play Love Gun, dude. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I almost peed my pants when we went to see Pearl Jam. Because I was like... <laughs> I remember when we all went to do that together. I can't oh, wait, I that. Was <laughs> he doesn't even know what Do the Evolution That is. was so fun. Dude, we had such a great night. It was perfect. I couldn't have imagined anyone else being one missing, there. There was a one missing piece? Even more perfect. No, it was really great. I mean, you got a, you, uh, Eddie threw you a tambourine that Here's night. a question. Here's a space-time con- continuum question. Yeah. If I go to that show with you guys, if you guys aren't the dipshits that didn't invite me to the show, <laughs> even though I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, do you still get the tambo? Or does the wrinkle Ooh. appear? It's like Back that, to the Future. 
<laughs> like my my arm starts fading like a tree. from the get that's right my uh, arm that caught the tambourine starts fading yeah, from the polaroid yeah. in this wrinkle of reality yeah do you catch the tambo i don't know man. well here, here's a little thing that happened though that night that, that maybe maybe not because we had uh half of us had seats half of us had to be on the floor yeah so it all depended on where you would have been it also depends on what you would have been wearing because the whole reason he, he threw, threw a me Tom the Petty tam- shirt, I had a Tom Petty shirt. That's right. I would have been wearing a Guar shirt. <laughs> I still think I would have caught the tambourine. Yeah, he's probably a bigger fan of his friend Tom than Odorous. Yeah, or Rungus. <laughs> I don't know, but if he knew that we went to the Guar bar, yeah, last we went to weekend. the Guar bar, the in Guar Richmond. bar, yeah, Richmond, Virginia. How was it? Uh, it was. It was cool. It was cool. It was a little underwhelming. It's really small. Yeah. Mm. So it was like 72 seasons. It was underwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) According to some of the critics. All right, moving on. Next comment. Matthew Stephen Smith says, (laughs) surely this isn't our our Matthew Smith, is it? No. Uh, He says, speaking of the album, he says, it's just okay. Mm. Some good moments and good songs, but nothing truly great and certainly nothing iconic. Weirdly, not even a single riff. This is... This is hardcore. This is a hard one, yeah. He says, the lack of a real producer was felt in the bloat and mediocrity of some of Hardwired, but it's really all caps felt here. Songs like Moth in the Flame and Spit Out the Bone cover a multitude of sins. They desperately need someone to tell them, look, that's just not good enough. Wow. Honestly, it sounds like 60-year-old dudes surrounded by yes-men who made a corporate decision to create new product. The quote-unquote AI-generated Metallica album comment we've all seen floating around is a little harsh, but not super far off either. The experience of hearing it in the theater with other fans was great fun, and the guitars wrapped around the theater in the Atmos mix, which made the drums a hair less comically overpowering than they are in the standard mixes. Okay, so this is interesting. Let's camp out here. Yeah. I have been experiencing, like, a a duality of mind listening to this album. Like, I've really been enjoying it, Mm -hmm. particularly the song 72 Seasons, which I think is one of the better songs they've done in a long time. I feel like half the time I listen to it, I think this is really, really strong shit. And then there is half of me that kind of agrees with what he's saying. Mm. The hi-hats are really loud. Now, listening to it on your shit today, just then, kind of blew my mind. I haven't heard it like that. Yeah. Now, what would you say, without getting getting gross, I mean, what would you say the value is of the, the system we were listening on? Oh, man. I mean, not to... We don't have to go there if you don't want to, but you've got nice shit in here. Yeah. You're talking five digits, halfway to, and six. I will say you've got three ways to listen. You've got these big guys, you've got these smaller guys, and then you've got a mono guy. Right. I'm sure all very high quality with whatever they do. Right. Because people may not know when you're mixing shit, you need to listen in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people would be surprised to know that most people mix at kind of a low volume, and a lot of people mix mono. Yep. And the speakers here, you know, when you're in a control room environment they call it control room because you're wanting to hear an accurate representation so these speakers aren't hyped it's a flat frequency response right Mm -hmm. so when we're hearing in this realm we're probably hearing the way that that they hear in this realm in (laughs) in the realm of 72 let's get that medieval music going for the realm you find yourself in through various portals, <laughs> the conditions of the realm must be... Here in the studio. <laughs> Here in the studio I got to get my accent together. You know what you just say? Just say, quite. Quite, yes. And then pretend to stroke a Merlin's beard. And also you say, please. Please. Quite often, if it pleases you, we you listen in the studio and 
I, I can't do it, dude. The stacks are smoking down here, yes, please. <laughs> and uh, For we found this realm by looking in the distance at the smoke stacks which drew us to Paul. Yes. <laughs> Bless Paul. But okay, but so we, we were cranking it. You you guys have said on air before that I love Hardwired, but the the yeah. mix was a little funky for me. Right. This is so good, dude. Okay. Like, I, can, can I just put a quick pause here? Because yeah. I want you to launch on this. Yeah, and yeah. This is making me happy because one of the things Ethan and I have talked about the last couple of weeks as we've been getting excited about the album is all the fucking comment section stuff of these knuckleheads mm-hmm. and that's a nice nice way of putting it yeah right they're all suddenly audio engineers right the, the hi-hat <laughs> you know there's too much treble on the on the floor tom right and i'm like you know i'm hearing things in the drums that i don't know where to put yet but i would like to hear a quick assessment because you, you've been raving about the sound of this record yeah and you you actually even said the problems that you think were happening with hardware, do you think they solved them? Yes. So let's get an actual Grammy-nominated expert on this, please. <laughs> yeah. Please. Well, so when you're mixing a record, especially in the rock world, it's how do I get everything to speak and have energy and life, but still have space in the music, which is really hard with thrash metal because if you watched a year and a half and they're, they're Never like... Never seen it. They're like trying what is, to... What is that? Uh, isn't there a scene in Year and a Half yeah, where, they're, where... They're talking about the drums. Yeah, he's like, you can't, I can't turn this up anymore. An, I think it's an Unforgiven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bob's getting frustrated. Totally. And so when I listen to... I haven't listened to the whole record in the studio. I've listened to it outside of the studio, but I've listened to several songs in here. The amount of space that's in the record kind of blows my mind that you can hear the room on the drums, but the guitars are still very present. Rob's bass is speaking better than. Yeah, Ethan was saying this is like one of the better yeah. bass sounding albums since. I, I think the I, I think I told you the I think the bass has mixed the best it's been since the Bob Rock era. Yeah, hmm. agreed. And then, to me, I've come to terms with the fact that if it's going to be a Metallica record, Lars's drums are going to be louder than most other rock records. Mm-hmm. Right? It still has that, but it's all glued together, and you, like you can hear. All the delays on James's voice. There's space for his vocal. It it just kind of blows my mind, man. Whereas like a lot of uh, you know the first four records, sometimes I have a problem if I'm not listening to it from a nostalgia standpoint. I have a problem just sitting down and listening to the record because it's so you know limited in what they could do at the Especially time. Especially the first two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and justice. You have yeah you you have to be in the right headspace. Yeah. And but this, like, I could not turn these speakers up loud enough and it not be still pleasing to hear, which is the sign of a great mix. You were talking about ear fatigue. Like, you yeah. can listen to it loud and your ears don't get tired. Yeah. When you take Death Magnetic and you crank it up louder than you think you it's should. Exhausting. It's it exhausting. really exhausting. Yeah, it's fatiguing. Yeah. And t- insane anger, goddamn. I mean, speaking of the Bob Rock era, I mean, he did produce that, but we, yeah. we've talked about that to death. But Man, I think that there's the Sonics, which I think are incredible on this record. There's the performances, which I think are incredible on this record. The songs, I think it will take time for me to, for anybody, to really digest the stuff enough to know how it holds up to their past work. Right. There's a couple that I think absolutely will be in the running for, you know. Instant classic vibe. Yeah, totally. I think that for anybody to really stake a claim in the ground of whether it's, you know, worth listening to or not 
worth listening to two weeks in it's it's that's hard for me to really i agree when someone spends freaking five years on a record you gotta let it sit for a minute i think this might be the record that it might not be the record that some some of these people wanted but it might be the metallica record that they need sure they Mm -hmm. just don't know it yet well the point that i made last week which i thought was quite astute quite is in a band's career and it's it's rarely at the end of it or you know in the in the latter half there is there is a time when every record is better. Yeah. Like imagine being a Metallica fan in 1984. Yeah. Right. When you hear Ride the Lightning, you are immediately saying this is better than Kill 'Em All. Right. Yeah. Then you get Puppets in 86 and you are kind of immediately going this is better than Lightning. Yeah. I think I think that happens with them all the way through the Black album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And I think a lot of bands are like that. A lot of bands just get better and they level up, they get more money, they get better at writing songs. But at a certain point you reach this tipping point where Nothing they've ever done is going to top the Black Album. Right. Song-wise. Right. And maybe even sonically. They got close with the loads. Mm-hmm. And I think that the metrics have to change for us as listeners. Totally it, agree. It just doesn't make sense for us to go, well, 72 seasons doesn't have a creeping death. And I'm right. guilty of it. Right. But I'm trying to just put it where it goes. Um, what did you get? I'm going to let Matthew off the hook and put this on me. When I said that half of me agrees with what he's saying and half of me thinks it's excellent, what, where do, you, do you guys have any moments listening to this where you're like, I've, I've had, a, I've had a, a bit of a confusing experience mm-hmm. yeah. listening to this album. Mostly, mostly, mostly good. I feel like what we're talking about here, I kind of learned that lesson on Hardwired. Because mm-hmm. there was kind of the same you know, polar opposite opinions about that record too. Some people were like, holy fuck, this is amazing. I can't believe it. Other people were like, eh. It's not Master Puppets or whatever. Right. And that was the record that I learned to kind of go, well, you know what? Like, Metallica is not going to make Master of Puppets again. Yeah, they're not going to try to outdo that. They're going to make what they're making in, in, in at the age they're at and what they're going through and make the best record that they that have the ability to. But I will say this: I very quickly, upon listening to Hardwired, went Moth, Halo, yeah, Spit Out the Bone, and Dream No More. Like immediately gravitated towards them. Right, could sing them to myself after a few listens, and this might be more about me. Um, like I, I'm in a more of an unfocused time in terms of like consuming new stuff, mm-hmm. but I haven't quite had that. I I've had it with the song 72 seasons. That that yeah. might be one of my favorite Metallica songs ever. I can probably speak to that. Yeah. What do you think? I think that the nature of this album is more thrashy. Yeah. It's actually confusing. Cause when people like, I've seen a lot of comments relating it back to load and reload. I agree. That, I don't I, hear that I at agree. all. I don't either. I, I mean, I hear little tinges of there's it. Mo- there's moments. Yeah. To me, this sounds like. To quote, I don't have it in front of me, but the dude before Adam, mm-hmm. uh, sixty-year-old dudes. <laughs> right. The, to me, this sounds like sixty-year-old dudes that are, that are saying, "We can still play as hard as we could when we were twenty. Dude, the the fast stuff at the beginning of seventy-two seasons, blah, 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 yeah. crazy. Blah, 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 blah. And then, like, if darkness had a son, like, the yeah. thrash moments are fucking killer. Yeah. yeah, they're great. So, to that point, I think that from a songwriting standpoint thrash you're not going to have those hooky melodies the right. way that you do those songs with, aren't designed and, that way yeah exactly mm-hmm. i right. mean you got your batteries but dude i already i mean i could sing you lux eterna right now 72 seasons One, two <laughs> lux eterna <laughs> that's true that that chorus slams that's probably why it was the first single too darkness had a sun is a great chorus too yes i could sing that one darkness had a sun here i am yeah also but well, i can never say the the last in song a marauder. Marauder. yeah 
I think Chasing Light has that too, and, and Shadows Follow has a. That's the thing. I think. I think we. It's just too early. I. I think so too. Like I made notes um, before this that I left at home, so I'm just gonna have to go in, <laughs> cool. go in raw. But one of the common, two common things appeared in my notes that I think would are gonna be surprising. Number one is. I wrote several times. I don't think I've ever heard them do anything like this. Mm. Right. That's fucking cool. That's really cool. Like, there's some stuff going on here where I'm like, this is new for them. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, vocally. Number two, I wrote a lot of this solo rips. Yeah. Because we're getting, Kirk's getting a lot of heat. Yeah, for sure. But I think, I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed with him. We weren't, we were not this impressed with Kirk's lead work on hardware. No. No. It's better than hardware. Yeah, it is better than hardware. I don't know why. Um, You know, well, there was, there was chatter. And some of it, Jamie even perpetuated when he did press mm-hmm. that Kirk was going through some shit. The whole right. missing phone on hardwired. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, totally. well, th- there was just some chatter about Kirk not really being very present for yeah. that album. Right. Yeah. This is a, d- Kirk has a co-write on half the songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has zero co-writes on hardwired. Yeah. And Rob only has one, and it's just because he went bing, boom, boom, at the beginning of Man Unkind. Right. <laughs> How did it go? Boom, bing, boom, boom, beep, boop, bada, bing, boom, 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 bing, bing. There's some weird disjointed little bass thing he does at the top of Man Unkind right. that, that is not very impactful for me. Right. But half of this album was co-written with Rob and half co-written with Kirk. Awesome. And I think that is part of the sauce that's making it rise above for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I haven't heard a Moth in the Flame yet. It, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm put, trying to put it all where it goes. All right, let's move on. It's way thrashier than... It is. Yeah. By the way, you know what? Some comments are going to be after that last 20-minute discussion about the audio, all this stuff. Eh, the hi-hat still is just too, yeah. you know, which <laughs> is so dumb. If it's going to be a Metallica record, here's the thing. Lars plays the drums in a very unique way that makes the drum sound of Metallica uniquely Lars. Yeah. And part of that is that open, sloshy yeah, hi hat. Right. Hat. Yeah. And I've just I've I think after uh the Unforgiven come to accept the fact that it's gonna take up a lot of space in mm-hmm. the, the music. It's part of the sound. And I, I just appreciate that perspective so much. Um and I know tens of thousands of Metal Pre Podcast listeners are gonna appreciate it. Um not that you're infallible. Right. But it to me it cuts through the noise, right the online noise to hear someone with a lot of expertise say, man, this record has a lot of TLC sonically. Oh, dude, absolutely. And the writing, you know. I can't wait to get into that with you guys. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm interested in what you guys think. I have a lot of thoughts myself. All right, we got two more, uh, like, sort of conversation-starting opinions, and then we're going to get into listening to the album. Adam Pastor says, the more listens I've had with it, the more I've begun to really enjoy it. Uh, he says far too gone, but it's too far gone. Mm-hmm. I think is incredible, and in a Marotic gives me bleeding me outlaw torn vibes for sure. Overall, there's a few tunes I can do without, but I think I'm just so happy they're still around doing this and bringing us new music. Regardless, as a lifelong fan, I'm proud of them. So damn excited for the tour. It will be interesting to see how they how they mm-hmm. negotiate yeah the new material on this tour because how they negotiate where the pee breaks are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the difference I think when you mentioned that earlier about the pee break thing. When we were going to shows on the World Wired Tour, I couldn't wait to hear Moth in the Flame. Right. I couldn't exactly. wait to hear Hardwired. Same. Like, Halo on fire. And I'm already feeling that about this record, too. It's like, yeah. damn it, I hope they play You Must Burn or whatever, you yeah. know? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. And songs tend to take on different kind of life, too, live. Like the Now That We're Dead moment, they did the drum thing, which right. had mixed reviews. But it mm-hmm. was something cool that they did. They they were trying something new. Spit Out the Bone kind of became one of those thrash slot revolving songs that people were chasing that song. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people who were going to see him had already seen Blackened or seen yeah. Battery. 
A lot of the people that went to see him had only eaten at the Spit Out the Bone Cafe, cafe that's right. but not yeah. actually heard the song. Oh, it buffet. was a buffet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Adam, for those thoughts. Rob Barrett says, Every album without Bob makes me really miss Bob helping direct the solos. Wow. Okay, I, we're going to camp out there for sure because we're all three guitar players. Right. Yeah. Kirk's older solos always had the ability to be hummed back after you heard it once. These solos don't quite do that. I love that Trujillo branched out and wrote some pick-heavy lines. James definitely does a lot of cool stuff vocally and Lars serves the songs. At the end of the day, Metallica doesn't need to write a new album to tour the world, but I'm glad they did, and I'd be happy to see any of these songs on the set list. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to be tickled to see any of this live for sure. Absolutely. So, Kirk, okay. Here's my thought on that. Bob Rock took Metallica and turned them into a heavy rock band. Those solos he had to. Are, that was his last name. Those, it was his yeah. namesake. Yeah, he, had, he had to do it. Those solos are singable. This is a thrash record. Right. I know, but, about, but, but, but Creeping Dust solo is singable. That's true. But there are... Uh, so, the... Uh, what's the last song? In a Marotta. Yeah. In a Marotta, yeah. The dueling, we're we're going to have a pronunciation lesson. I've, I've overcome my pronunciation problem with this. Last, last weekend, I, I was like... In a, uh, uh, dip, 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 yeah. But, you know. I always want to say uh, Anamonopia or whatever. Think of Inagata de, Think of Inagata de Vida. Inagata de Vida. The... There's some singable, dueling, harmonizing solos. In are those there. solos though? You uh, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more melodies. Because I, I agree with that. Like, there's some great melodic stuff. They, there's a lot of good harmonies on this right. album. Yeah, I love it. And but to your point, that this really is it's thrash. Solos. It's a thrash album. And I, so I'm trying to think of like other than the song one, like what on Justice solo wise is super singable. Like that in Harvester, you can sing, mm-hmm. but that's not really a solo. That's yeah. the guitar moment. You can sing the one solo. Right. Yeah. You can sing those. Sing like the Master Puppet but solo. But that wasn't Bob. This guy's saying he misses Bob Rock. So that's 90s stuff. Right. Which wasn't I, thrash. So here's what's interesting that I want to get your perspective on. We have seen through the hardwired making of videos how in the Greg Fiddleman era they do solos. And yeah. here's how it is. I'll give everyone a refresher. Lars and Greg are sitting in the control room. Right over there, where you would sit, Paul. Mm-hmm. Kirk's also in the control room back here on a couch like Kirky this. Kirky Pooh. But there's Kirkinator, uh, Kirky Monster. <laughs> you laugh now! <laughs> yes, sir! Um, but there's not all this stuff here in the middle that you could see each other. Right. And he just wails, take after take after take, and then they sort of refine it, but they're recording everything. And then at a certain point, Kirk goes out and has a cigar break, and they basically comp it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You juxtapose that with what we see in the documentary making the Black Album, and it's Bob sitting there going, no. Write it. Play it better. Write, and, write you know, the solo. A, a few Bob Schneider records I did with Dwight Baker, he did that to me. Like, I would even be like, I would get it in like three or four takes, and I'd be like, let's just let's just put it together. I'll help you do it. And he was like, no, dude. We're, we'll comp it, and then you perform it. That's what I hear on this. Yeah. So you think that these were all kind of live and that he really went, because I'm kind of impressed by some of the guitar yeah. playing on this, sure. really. But do you see a difference with how... Because isn't it weird that Greg and Lars kind of do it? Not if you know Lars at all. That's true. Well, Jason used to say that James would come in and be hard on the bass. Right. Mm-hmm. It was part of their sort of handshake deal delineation of power. Right, right, yeah. And then Lars was the guy that did the solos with amazing success for most of their career. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I mean, I was thinking today, I heard, um, Life's been good to me so far, that Joe Walsh mm-hmm. song, and just how cool those guitars are. And I was like, you know, he did Hotel California. That's like... I just was having this fun game where I was like, what's a better solo? And I, I named like five, mm. you know, like Heartbreaker, Stairway to Heaven, mm-hmm. Comfortably Numb, Freebird, yeah. Hotel California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like 10. Yeah. And Kirk's got some of those. 
you know, unforgiven, what about the unforgiven solo sure. in that Master of Puppets. Sheryl Crow, Kid Rock. Uh, <laughs> I put your picture away. <laughs> it's the most out of tune guitar. It's the sound of him shooting Bud Light cans. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, dude, that's my that's favorite so solo. Good. But Kirk, but Kirk really, I mean, if Lars was overseeing those moments, but see, what I think was going on back in those days is I think Kirk was going home with tapes and, and like, working them out. Right. Yeah, for sure. Which is different now. Now he right. just sheds live on the couch, and it's a big frenzy, and then they sort of piece together this cool thing that kind right. of works. I hear less pieced together than hardwired. Like, I feel like I can tell you where the comping is mm-hmm. on hardwired. Interesting. Just... Knowing the fretboard and knowing, like, where they piece stuff together, like, it sounds like a punch or whatever, or or a comp. This record, I feel like it's either they really took their time and comped something that was amazing, or they made a comp, he went back and he learned, really learned it, it, and then he, and then right, he played yeah. it. I have a friend in a big band. I can't say who it is on the podcast. I know that's annoying. I'll tell you guys later. And he's the drummer in a big band, and he runs Max all- Weinberg. <laughs> it's Max Weinberg. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What was that? Born in the USA. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you couldn't uh, tell, Paul? No. Okay, and this is a tangent a little bit, but um, he runs all the sims for this big artist, and the, okay. the producer is a huge producer. And I said, hey, when you get inside all those stems, what's that like? You know, like yeah. These are big records. And he goes, man, you'd be shocked at how bad some of the edits are. Wow. And it made me curious, like, do you ever hear edits in like popular music where you're like oh i hear edit points yes like sloppy edits absolutely god that must be so frustrating uh you know i think i definitely listen to music outside of the studio in a different frame of mindset than when i'm in the studio or else you would drive yourself crazy because all dude all of our favorite songs were done before autotune oh yeah that's all real shit beat detective oh yeah so if I'm listening with the same ears that I do now in 2023 in the studio outside, I wouldn't be able to listen to any of my favorite stuff. You know what I heard today on the radio is the outro of Layla. Down, oh, dude. Really out of tune. Dwayne Allman's slide is so out. Whoa. Really out of tune. Yeah. Gnarly. Yeah. But you know what? Don't mind. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just real. It's vibe. Yeah. Yeah. To me, like performance, heart, all that trumps the technical side of of things yeah so that said i could tell you exactly when <laughs> when in nirvana's unplugged in man who sold the world when the feedback happens in the monitor ah you know it's one of the things you give up to do music is you even if you're as intentional as you're talking about being like because it's one, uh, one of the things i really admire about you is you really still just love music yeah and you've really found a way to separate some of your the work from it because you can get really ground down and burnt out and cynical and I think keeping the love for it alive is so important. Absolutely. I, I definitely mm-hmm. prioritize that in my life. Like, I, yeah. I listen to records every day. But one of the things you give up to do it is you, you unfortunately, I listened to music differently before yeah. I knew how to play it. It's one of the things, oh, you, for give, sure. it's one of the things you give up. Well, you hear it differently. Here's the way I describe it to people, and this is a little bit graphic, but when I was in college, I had a potluck roommate where... They had a potluck? Fuck yeah, it's 420. 420, 24-7, <laughs> no, no, no. 365. It is 420. Chase that's the phrase, right? What? Potluck, potluck roommate. Is that right? What does that mean? What does potluck roommate mean? What did he do? What did he do to you? The college decided we were going to be roommates. Oh. I didn't know uh, the guy okay. at all. Like a potluck uh, food situation. Right, so everyone right, brings right. a dish. Yeah. So I the, guess co- never... the college brought him as your dish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, and you guys smoked ganj all night. Yeah, dude. Burn blaze, the rope, dude. Blaze to drag. But he he was from East Tennessee, and our our freshman year, we went back to his home, and his family owns this uh, sausage factory called <laughs> Wampler's Sausage. Oh, is that at my house? They do all the sausage for like McDonald's in the southeast, and so anyway, we went to stay with this family, and he's like, "You want to tour the factory?" And I was like, "Yeah." You literally saw how the sausage was made. Yeah. Dude, in real and time. It's, and it's gnarly, huh? So gnarly. Yeah. I almost became a vegetarian. <laughs> it's probably, yeah. I didn't eat pork for a very long time, by the way. <laughs> and I've got some funny stories from that, but uh, the the main, I, there's a lot I can't say on air, but there was the, the guy who, like, has the, the bolt gun that, like, literally oh, yeah. that you put the, put the bolt in their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We walk into the room, they have this giant hog that comes in, and he's, like, up above the pen with the gun in his hand, and he looks at us, and we're, like, in, like, lab coats and have, like, hair nets on. And he looks at us, and he goes, you kids college boys? Oh, boy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, how do you? How can you tell? He goes, I can tell by the sideburns. <laughs> oh, my and then he, The sideburns. And, and then he freaking... Put a gun in this pig's head and shot it right what in front preamble. of us. Dude, it was so gnarly. Wow. Anyway, if I'm going to eat a piece of pork, I have that memory in my mind now. Right. There's a before and after. There, you, yeah, you never yeah. is the great, you know, the pearl of great price. You never, there's a time before that and right. a time after that. Right, yeah. It's like when uh, artists have their parents or friends or whatever come to the studio and after 15 minutes they're like, so y'all... Y'all just going to keep listening to the same 15 oh, seconds yeah. over and over? That's what being a professional you know? is. Yeah. Being able to do that. Right. Yeah. All Without day. going insane. Yeah. yeah. And kind of liking it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, totally. I, con- yeah. I mean, I don't even think about it till a normal person comes in and points it out. And you're yeah. like, well, this is insane. Like, we've listened to this 45 times. Yeah, for sure. My wife, three minutes, max. Yeah. And she's out. Out. Yeah. yeah. She's normal. She's yeah. sane. Yes. Yeah. We're crazy. Yeah. I played her Lux Eterna in the car tonight. On the to drop her off before I came here, and she's like, when the when uh, Kirk solo came on, she's like, why is he playing so fast? <laughs> I love that, dude. I love it. I go, it's called thrash metal. They they invented it. It's like my wife saying the Godfather one and two were just pretty right. good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, um, well, that's all the comments we have. We're gonna listen to the album as we do a track by track, right? That's right. Yeah. Before we do that, can we camp out for? Are we, is this running long? I don't want to turn this into a tangent city, but we're all three here. Yeah, we're here. Um, usually, does. I got nowhere to go. I want to camp out for a second in the the concept of the album. James has said that he was inspired by a book he was reading about childhood, right? And how you know your childhood really shapes who you are. Period. Like you, yeah. there's a lot of language, especially in the first song, which is the title track about the die is cast. You know, you, your life was kind of decided before you knew it. The first the seventy seasons are the first eighteen years of your life. Mm. I've done a lot of personal therapy through a kind of specific branch of therapy called Imago therapy, which really hyper focuses on your childhood. And so whatever you're talking about, whether it's positive or negative, negative, you're encouraged to look back at your childhood and say, am I, do I have neurosis about this because there was a deficit in this area or because I was lacking this in my childhood? I find that very interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't think James and I are very similar spiritually or like, Actually, spiritually, I do think we're similar. I, I think he's a religious person, and I'm not. But he's basically saying, you didn't really have a lot of choice over who you became. Right. right. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I actually don't believe in free will as a concept. I think it's an illusion. 
uh, up until everything we're doing right now. I don't mm. think we have any choice over it. Oh, yeah? Look at this. I don't believe he you. unplugged a microphone. <laughs> I think you were always going to do it. You were always going to do that. So you believe in predestination? Uh, well, I don't believe that there's an agent that predestined it. Gotcha. I just think that all... I think if you go back to the beginning of all things moving in motion, those were all things that you had no control over. Okay. And I don't know why that would stop suddenly. So you have no control over where you were born, who your parents were, what genetics you received, whether right. or not you were tall or short or affluent or good at math or anything. These yeah. things are all predetermined. Mm-hmm. And I think you have a responsibility to grapple with who you are. And I think we feel like we make decisions. That's why it's an illusion. And that's why you punish people for committing crimes. You don't go, well, you were always going to commit a crime. If you commit a crime, you're going to go to jail. Right. If you murder somebody, you're going to go to jail. Yeah. Um, but there's actually a lot of interesting neuroscience about like the brain chemistry of psychopaths and people who kill people. That's a different combo. But I want to get y'all's thoughts on this idea that the first 18 years of your life, whatever befell you, James had a troubled childhood. Right. Mom died young, just mm-hmm. like Paul McCartney, just like John Lennon, just like a lot of great artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, dad left. James is painfully shy. Music is what saved him. It's a heavy concept, especially for this time of life that he's in. Yeah. And there's some parts of this album lyrically that are almost like a St. Anger part two, post rehab part two mm-hmm. thing that I find a little like on the nose. But what do you guys think about the concept of the album? 72 seasons, first 18 years, the way you're raised shapes who you are. Yeah. You take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Yes. My answer, short answer is yes. I, but I do like the <laughs> yes idea. To, yes to what? Of, of, of writing a record and embracing this concept that those first 18 years give you no choice in how you turn out. I, I, I like that idea of that because that's something that, I, I mean, me personally, I don't think about often. You know, like I have, I have you know, shit. You from, ought to do a Mago therapy. Maybe mm-hmm. I should. I mean, I've got shit from my, my, my childhood that turned me into who I am now. And, or, or I've looked at stuff like that and thought, like, I'm not going to turn out like that. Right. You know, and... Well, that's what I'm saying. So it's either a deficit or it's something you had that was positive. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's a way to understand who you are. Yeah. You know, it's like evaluating. Because I know you had... You and I have similar mm-hmm. stories in terms of we each had a parent that was difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think you more or less had a pretty good sitch. My wife did too. Yeah. Like family stayed together. Yeah. Generally supported. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think we all have to grapple with it in our own ways. You yeah. Know? Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, well, my childhood was shitty, so therefore I'm special or anything. Right, I think totally. People, I think people who do that at our age are fucking pathetic. At a very young age, post-18 probably, you have to deal with those sort of issues. Yeah. Like you have to find the tools to yeah. deal with that. I think you people know? spend their 20s being maybe mad or, or, or about it or whatever. Yeah. And I think you spend your 30s putting it together, and hopefully by your 40s, you're, <laughs> right. you're coasting a little bit. Right, yeah, for sure. Kind of know who you are. You've made peace with stuff. Right. Here's where I... I connect with that is i think of like metallica's peers artists that are at the end of not that metallica's at the end of their career but artists that are well along and way past their prime in terms of uh cultural zeitgeist yeah, moment import or whatever yeah. you know i look at someone like rob halford from jews priest and i follow him on instagram and all of his posts are like metal right metal brings us together and right. and that's cool but it's very surfacey, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like an arrested development. Absolutely. And then you, you have like Paul McCartney. Everybody's going to dance tonight. The fuck you, where it's like so painfully obvious that he's trying to stay relevant. I always, I always think about that fun song 
tonight we right. are young. I'm like, right. dude, you're 48. <laughs> We're going to set fire. the world on fire. fire. I'm like, dude, no, you're not, dude. Right. And so to me, for Metallica at this point in their career to have James still really digging in and trying to provide substance in the writing right. of like, he's probably doing this work for his own personal health, but to to put the pen to paper and not just be like, metal, you know, right. going to kick some ass tonight. It'd be hard to get behind that, wouldn't it? Yeah. At our oh, age. Like, for sure. That would be hard for me Absolutely. to like, get excited about. But for this, yeah. I'm like, man, I'm excited to listen to this because I feel like he's really putting himself out there again. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so there's sure. mining to be done over these lyrics to see what he has to say about mm-hmm. this concept. So I'm I'm a huge fan of the idea. I love, I'd never heard the concept of 72 seasons. Right. right. Super cool. It kind of reminds me of in some kind of monster when they're like, November 7th is going to be St. Anger's Day. It's like, you know, when, <laughs> whenever 72 Seasons came out, someone in the Metal Camp's like, there's your record title. Yeah, yeah. But it's super cool. And, dude, we all texted immediately about the color of the record. Pops. And really pops, yeah. There's just a, really, a lot of really smart stuff to me going on of, like, what keeps this band interesting to yeah. me? It is cool. I mean, like, that just made me think of um, my friend Phil Schaus. Do you know Phil Schaus? Mm-mm. He was Rodney's guitar player. Okay. And he left Rodney, and then that's how I got the gig. So this was five, six, seven, eight years ago. Right. And he would go, he's the biggest Kiss fan I know. He would go on to play in Gene Simmons and Ace Frehley's solo band. It's like a dream wow. gig for him. Now he's the lead guitar player in Venom. Wow. Oh, or crazy. not Venom, except. Oh, oh wow. wow. Like some old metal yeah, band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And their new album last year. <laughs> it's called Too Mean to Die. Oh. And the cover is this huge, like, fucking King Cobra snake. And yeah. it's just all metal. It's, it's metal tropes. tropes. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And it's fun and it works. And they all wear leather and they're all playing their flying Vs, like they're shooting yeah. guns and shit. Yeah. But they're like 60. Yeah. And it, do, it does make me think, like, you know what? I'm glad that James isn't doing that. But yeah, they're not. Or it's, or another good example is like when a band breaks up and then five years later they get back together. And what's their album called? Resurrection. Right. Or something like that. Like, yeah, I'm glad there's not some crazy on the nose thing with this album and the theme and the title of like that alludes to you know like you know the, the record's not called like still kicking ass or yeah. something like that yeah. or whatever. <laughs> That's the next the lunar Satan album. Tropes <laughs> is the best word. Basically, you can save the last 15 minutes of me talking on this website on this podcast <laughs> on the, on the website, website on the website yeah. on this AOL.com website <laughs> and just say they're not falling into any right. metal tropes. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Have we talked enough? I think we have. We said it all. I think we have. So, what's the vibe? Are we going to have we? Oh, we did a listening vibe with you on Black Album, didn't we? We did Lulu. Yeah. We, we did we, Lulu. We did the Black Album, with Paul. Yeah, <laughs> I've already tried to put Lulu out. Um, are we going to be? We're going to be talking over and giving our thoughts. Yeah, we're doing commentary. We're listening to the whole record, and uh, yeah, we can take we can take a, a few minute break. We can listen to the Patreon commercial and come back and listen to Seven Two Seasons. Sounds good. All right. Hey everyone, Clinton Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. 
Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tale series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. All right, well, let's listen to the album. I'm excited. I want to hear, um, and we're going to break this up into two episodes. So we're going to go through side A, yep. through mm-hmm. Lux Eterna. And uh, we're going to be sort of doing our normal commentary. Now that everyone knows my philosophical beliefs about free will. <laughs> <laughs> and they've all been Googling uh, Sam Harris for the last hour. Um, you know, we'll be riffing on the lyrics, I guess, and like uh, the riffs. Right. And it's interesting for me because I think my favorite song on the album is the first song, 72 Seasons. Yeah. So you're going to uh, check out pretty quick. <laughs> so yeah well my my kings are losing bad we're gonna we're getting blown out so um i'm now fully prepared to give my attention to the podcast there you go hell yeah thank you i've been waiting um, hey full speed or nothing dude dude your lifestyle hey, determines your death on, style that's dude right. standing around your neck bro you flush yeah. it out <laughs> what do you guys think about all this charred burn shit i think it's cool dude what's cool is the portraits dude i mentioned that we talked about this last week yeah really well these portraits are fucking amazing. Like yeah. you, they're like works of art, yes. I believe. And here's what I let me get your perspective. It also on. makes it aging makes, look cool. Well, it it's the first. By the way, we have like eight vinyls in here. <laughs> I know. Paul got the, two of them. The three of us. Ethan's I accidentally got the ordered two different variants. It's it's the first bit of like actual like promo material where I think they've embraced looking old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially James's photo, which ties in to. James and Lars, and it ties into obviously the theme. Um, I got to say the the burnt crib and all the burnt shit has grown on me a lot. Yeah, being able to hold it and look at it and have this, a tactile experience with it has yeah. helped. You know, the gnarly drum kit. There is one of the pictures that's on the insert. You guys see this thing? I thought that was a a, a Case Logic CD case, <laughs> but it's a it's a stack of vinyl. Stack of vinyl, yeah. But vinyl. doesn't that? But look, it has a CD on it, dude. No, I think is that a yeah, CD? Is that not just the center part of a vinyl? Oh, could be. Yeah, that's just the label part of a vinyl. I see. And the, the plastic around but it. But honestly, even without being all burned like that, that's what my CD case looked like in high school <laughs> yes, for in sure. my car because it was so used and so fucked up. I love all this stuff. And, and and all that was like actual shit they like burned and photographed too. It's not like digital stuff. Like just a really cool concept and I think really well executed. Well, what are they saying? What are they saying conceptually? I think there's. I think. I mean, this. I think these are all just like physical things that that are involved in your seventy-two seasons. Like that, you know, you're you're born. No, you're I, a, I understand that, but why are yeah. they burned? 
Why are they like scorched and mm, charred? Mm. What does that mean? I get it. The guitar, the toys, right, right. Maybe, the crib. Maybe it's, uh, and I'm just pontificating. Maybe it's pontificate away. Maybe it's burning your past, like dealing with your past. Yeah. Okay, that like, sounds right. That resonates. Let me let me just read this back credentials list. Let's just read through it. So of course we got the standard credentials: James Hetfield, guitar and vocal; Lars drums; Kirk guitars; Robert bass. Produced by Greg Fiddleman with Hetfield and Ulrich. They just go with the last names there. Mixed by Greg. Engineered by Jim Monty and Sarah Lynn Killian. She's been around for a bit. She's the, she's yeah. the one you see in the like making of videos for hardware. Yeah. Right. Additional engineering by Jason Gossman. Editing by Jason Gossman and Dan Monty. Ascension, assistant engineering by Kent Mackey. Album production coordination by Kent Mackey. What does album production coordination mean, Paul? A production coordinator here in Nashville would would be handling the budget running everything through the union, dealing with the label. So I don't know how that works because they have no union and they own the label. Hmm. So it's not like... But I guess someone's got to ring it all up right. and, and right. Run, run it. Sure. It's making sure everybody gets paid and that uh, all the work is documented. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. If me and Ethan come and Ethan plays guitar or bass or drums because he plays a million things or maybe I play guitar or piano, mm -hmm. we get paid you know, a day rate to play. Right. Are they getting paid some sort of day rate to even perform on their own records? Depends on the band. Okay. I doubt it. I mean, they're probably on salary with... Black, black and Ink or whatever they yeah. call their thing. So so yeah. they're receiving a, a yearly salary to be in Metallica. I would think so. Because there's got to make sense of it for taxes and shit. They right. have to yeah. give themselves salaries. Yes. It's probably not an insane salary, right? No. I think their main mission right now is figuring out what do we put our money to that we care about so that we don't have to give all of it to the government at the end of well, the year. Well, they just bought a, like a record pre pressing right. plant. Yeah. So where do we invest in the future of Metallica? Dude, they probably have people employed that their jobs are to figure out how to handle Metallica's money. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, business managers? Even more than that, though. Like, like more granular? Strategical. Yeah. Is that a word? Or strategic. Strategic business managers that are keeping track of all this. So stuff. if you had to guess, what would you guess? Um, and keep in mind, we have moles who listen to the podcast yeah. and report to the band. This is a fact. Yeah. So. Okay. With which, that said. Which I love even knowing that. I love just firing off the craziest takes ever. Sure. What, do you, what would you guess just for like on paper purposes that they pay themselves per year to be, to be in Metallica? Dude, I'm, I wouldn't even... Would it be like a hundred grand? No, it'd be more than so that. So it'd be more than that. I would yeah. think like, I don't know, my guess would be like 500 grand a year. And obviously that doesn't include... But it's an arbitrary number. Whatever they pick, it's probably... Minuscule compared to what they're earning and what they're it's, generating. It, yeah, it's probably just to work in the context of how all the business funnels to or, be profitable. Or do they do a thing where they say, the machine of Metallica, after expenses, makes generates this much a year and you know you guys get percentages of that well we know that off of uh some kind of monster where yeah. it's like they get they, you get you get 25 percent, right. you get 25 percent, you get seven and a half percent until whatever and they're like yeah. no but a lot of those machinations had to do also with like voting power because right. they, they gave rob like equal Right. right. So right, when they right. make decisions, I'm guessing but based on is that shareholder shit? I don't even know how all this works, dude. I don't think they spend a whole lot of time worrying about money coming in. They're worried about how do we get rid of this 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of bands that size, too, their business management will behind the scenes be working on different investments this vinyl plant they did yeah, maybe shell buying, companies and yeah buying property things like that you well know, like, and you got all within my hands yes. and things that they care about that they're pouring real dollars into mm-hmm. clearly evident to me by the guys that it's not just to get a tax write-off no they care about no, they care. yeah they do, they do well they they did what a lot of responsible wealthy people do where they go okay i'm wealthy it's How do nice. I give back? How do I give back to the world? Because yeah. they understand that that's kind of what it's all about. Right. Let me go back through this list and see if there's anything else that jumps out that would be interesting. Recorded and mixed March 2021 through November 2022. So that means they worked on the album for over a year. Yeah. yeah. It's just fast. For At them. HQ, San Rafael, California. <laughs> Mastered by Bob Ludwig at Gateway, which if you read any liner notes, you're going to see, is it Sterling? Sterling. Uh, Tim Jensen. Just, yeah, what's his Ted, name? Bernie. Ted Jensen. Ted, Ted Jensen. Yeah. Bernie Gr- Grundman? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. It's like the same two or three guys. Yeah, yeah. It's Bob Ludwig and uh, Ted Jensen, and those are the two I see all the time. Yeah, yeah. Vinyl Lacquers by Chris Bellman at Bernie Grundman Mastering, Hollywood, oh, California. Oh, there you go. Yep. Design and art direction by David Turner. That's Turner Duckworth. <laughs> Turner Duckworth. Turner Duckworth, <laughs> please. Course, yes. Jamie uh, McCaithy and Ian Conklin. Cover and object photography by Stan Musilek, which, by the way, PSA to all of our listeners, if you guys want to hit any of these people up to see if they want to be on the show, we're going to give you that homework. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm too old. <laughs> but if anyone wants to broker those deals, we will happily interview any of these people. Right. Can I be a part of the Cliff Bernstein interview? I'm working on Q Prime. Okay. Working on Q Prime. Cliff, which Cliff listens, I think. Hey, Cliff. Cliff, come on the show. Band portrait photography by Lee Jeffries. That's the guy that really does this great, this great portrait work. Dude, they're yeah. so good. And that's a dude that uh, there, there was a, a, a clip of Lars talking about the portraits. And this guy's never done band photography. Wow. Right, he, he doesn't do that, that kind of stuff. He's like fine art photographer. Yeah, like and that. he was nervous about working with the band because he didn't know. He thought maybe that might be like uptight, but I think he talked about how like generous with their vulnerability and yeah. with their time they mm-hmm. were to get the good shit. Right, all songs written by Hethold Ulrich, except and then he, they basically break down half the records with Kirk, half with Rob. Mm-hmm. All songs twenty twenty three creeping death music, global music rights, Black and Recordings, manufactured by Black and Recordings. Metallica website, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Basically, they own all, everything. They own their shit. Yeah, which is great. And it took them a long time. I mean, if you can be a successful band for 20 years, you'll eventually ride out whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, when they signed them to a 20-year contract when they were kids and alcoholica, yeah. they might not have thought they'd have lasted this long. Exactly, yeah. All right, let's, burn it. let's start with 72 seasons. We're going to yeah. be reading the lyrics and uh, just offering any notes that occur to us. Yeah, let's hit it. First thought. <laughs> this is actually, every time I hear that, which I think is a bass, I think of... That's a mi- not a bass. You don't think it's a bass? I think it's a guitar. It's a, I think it's a guitar. Really? Yeah. Damn it. Every time I hear it, I'm, I'm like questioning it, but I always I think it's a bass. James. It's a guitar. It just always reminds me of Miserloo. Mm. Miserloo? Don't stop Dick it, Dale. Dude. Sorry. Sounds like hardwired leftovers. Uh, they phoned it in. The the hi hat frequency. Uh, it sounds like he quit the fucking band. <laughs> what did I send you guys the other day? Yeah. What was that? It oh, was it was Jason. Jason Re- who said he's reforming Newstead. Yeah. He's reforming the fucking band. It's <laughs> a great intro, by the way. Great album opener.
see if they opened the show with that, they would run the tape until that point. Totally. Now, people have said this is too similar to Spit Out the Bone. I don't agree. No, I don't agree with that. I love that change. I love when they go from thrash just to, to straight the groove. Yeah, rock. same. Introducing the next riff. Man, I love this song. Yeah, totally. It's my favorite song on the album. His Hetfield instantly sounds good. I mean, like, everyone's right. That's, you know, correct about writing in about how his vocal delivery is The vocals so are a highlight. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's clear he was 100% present for this record. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dude, this pre-chorus. And that delay on the light. Yeah. The pre-choruses on this whole album are really strong. Yes. Like, I think this is the best hook on the album. Best chorus. Pretty damn good. Oh, well, that and Lux. Lux Eterna. I love the phrasings of this. I agree. Feeding on 72 seasons gone. Can you hit pause for a sec? Yes. Don't pause it. Is, okay, well, you want to talk about, we can talk <laughs> over kidding. it. I, I love that too because... I'll just bring it down a little bit. What's, what's interesting about that is like the way he pockets it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because a lot of the song is like, shut down, ba-ba-da, dee-dee, da-do, da-do, dee. And when he does that, it, it wraps around in a cool way. Yeah. Where he pockets it. It pops. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, we can crank it again. Now that I made my horrible point. <laughs> it wraps around. The song should have been called Wrap the Man, by the way. Yeah. We I that thought last it should week. be called Wrapped Around. <laughs> I thought it should have been called Psychotic. <laughs> A new mask. It's a good hooky melody. Yeah. And he did bring some heat in these vocal performances, dude. Absolutely. Paul's yawning. I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm already bored by the new record. <laughs> God, I love this pre-chorus, dude. Yes. Choking on the stage fight. In that corner goes up to A, dude. That's yeah. so good. And then they basically just do the main riff in A, yeah. Uh, it's like the intro, it's like a re intro, but yeah, I love it. Four, I mean, not even through this first song, I already disagree with what somebody wrote in about saying there wasn't any good riffs on this record. But this, this, this first song, I mean, even just the main riff that that's great, yeah. I agree, the riffs are good. 
Alright, this solo stuff coming up right here. This right here. When his lead meets back up with the riff happening behind it, so cool. Here, this melody. And then they, they start doing a harmony. After this one, yeah. Here comes James. It sounds like I'm playing Double Dragon. <laughs> Guitar Army's always remind me of Nintendo. I do have a note. Well, there are parts of this record that feel like a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Back That's down to so E. That's so good. Yes. This song is eight minutes long. And it's a testament how good the song is because it does not feel long. Right. Like they slingshot you right into verse three. Yeah. There's a few on this record that don't feel as long as they are. Eight minutes, dude. Yeah. Well, technically, I think it's 7.59. <laughs> if we're splitting Actually, hairs. it's... I just finished producing a song for an artist on Universal that's two minutes and 29 seconds. Hell yeah. Destined to be a radio staple. I was telling Ethan that so many co-writes in town, if you hear the voice memo, as soon as the song's done, you hear someone go, how long was how that? How long was that? Yeah. Yeah. Lars is like, how long was that? You're like, not long seven enough. Seven minutes and 59 seconds. Like, what's that, a bridge? Dude, that right hand. I know. So tight. You know, James holds his pick with three fingers. Yeah. So crazy. Can we try to play that? It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird. It's hard. But he obviously keeps his wrist loose. Yeah, that's the key, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Not I mean, being too tightened up in there. Yeah. Yeah. What a banger of an opening. Great opening track. Uh, dude, this might be my second favorite song. This song's great. This has... What he's doing in this chorus, I don't think they've ever done before. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll highlight out, highlight it when we get to it. Who? Metallica? No, no, no. Like, <laughs> from like a drum perspective or guitar? Vocal or? melody. Oh, okay. This guitar sounds sick, too. Yeah. Cut it up. This is going to be good live. Oh, yeah, for sure. I wonder how many of these they'll work in the set. I'm going to guess half. I mean, Hardwired, they debuted all but, what, one song or two songs? No, they never played Man Unkind or Am I Savage. So, yeah, two. Yeah, or Murder One. What did I say? Man, Man Unkind. Oh, no, no, sorry. They played Man Unkind twice. Yeah. Murder One and Am I Savage. Yeah. So this is interesting on this song. 
this so then there's like a little turnaround and they basically just do the back half of a verse too right so I love the first part the phrasing yeah but they skip that yeah now this is just the back half alright so this chorus oh first of all I love the swingy thing That kind of ascending melody. Yeah, I love it. And I actually, thematically love this lyric too about like, you can't outrun your past. Yeah, right. no matter what you do, your shadows follow you. It's pretty cool. Good imagery. Yeah, back to the original. They say hungry like a wolf on a metallic record. <laughs> Rio. I love the harmonies too. The harmonies yeah. make it. Oh yeah. I was glad they embraced a lot of harmonies on the album. Me too. This is, this is a really great combination of like melody and lyric. Yeah. This shit's heavy. This feels like Pantera. Yeah. The real Pantera. <laughs> Walk! <laughs> <laughs> New level! Fucking hostile! I love this riff. Sam. It starts with a pull off. This. Mana. Yeah, love And then that. I think they had a harmony here too, right? Yep. Road Rash 3, dude. It's like <laughs> Warriors. <laughs> Sega Genesis. But mom, I'm farther than I've ever been. Don't make me turn it off. Remember you would hit pause and just turn the TV oh, yeah. off? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This solo kind of sounds lotish. Yeah. He does a lot of just like blue scale stuff. But that's, I'm kind of sad great. that my son will never know the joy of a blockbuster rental, I know. a Little Caesars pizza. He only got it for two nights. You can still get Little Caesars and pizza. A, and a fresh cassette in the NES. It's actually called a cartridge. blow on it. Batman! Dude, that, this part always makes me think of Batman. Oh, yeah. Batman! <laughs> Dude, tens of thousands of people will never hear it the same way now. Dude, that swingy thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't. This is one of the better songs. Yeah, for sure. It is new territory for them. Doesn't it feel different? Yeah. Yes, totally. Just those three lines that yep. do a double up the chorus of this demon line. My demons, my demons, my demons. 
it's a really like cohesive lyric too. Yeah. yeah. I say no, still my shadows falling. So he's awesome. talking about being doomed to it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Here we go. Batman. <laughs> if you're wondering if it comes around again, it does, because it's right here. Batman! <laughs> I kind of wish they had done more with that. Bow down, down, down. Yeah. This one's a barn burner, dude. Dude. The one-two punch is good. All right, so far, so good. Yeah. All right. Kirk's things here, bound at it in. They're pocketed weird. How do you mean? It, they just feel kind of choppy. This part feels good. Yeah. We did a whole uh, deep cut on this. We did, yeah. Already? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when they released it as a single, we did, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Obviously, that was one of your favorite episodes. So this is one of my, this is my least favorite single. Yeah. But I like it better on the record. Yes, totally. Yeah. That was my least favorite as well, but in context, it, I love it. I do think this is the most, like, weak lyric on the album. Yeah. It's a pretty confusing lyric. Especially at the end. I love the verses, though. Oh, that makes sense. All right, yeah. The first verse is salient. This is one of my favorite pre-courses, too. Listen well, you better listen well. The pre-courses on this album are top-notch. Yes. So he's saying, it's like suicide talking. Right. He's saying, listen, don't ever name this. Right. Keep it inside. My name is suicide. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. It's really towards the end where it kind of comes unraveled for me. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'll get you guys. Incredible uh, kick drum work by Lars. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been honing in on that. Yeah, he did, well, he's not doing it now, but he does that little, it's a quick double kick thing. Such a cool pre, dude. Yeah. That's kind of lowdish. Yeah, kind of. It is. All right, so verse two salient. Saying there's a voice that comes up that says, You are good enough. And then Suicide says, Don't ever speak my name. Right. All right. Look, I'm willing to be wrong about this. We'll find out. We will. There's a little fat that could have been trimmed at the end here. Yeah, what are your thoughts on everybody saying the album's too long? 
I think there are moments that, as a producer, I would have encouraged them to trim. Yeah. I'm not saying that's right, but I feel like if you're going to repeat sections, we need new information. Yeah, for sure. But I also love pop music, so. Yeah, Yeah, I'm kind of of the mindset of like, right now, they're not playing for radio or. Yeah, so they're letting it breathe. What's the point in shortening anything? I don't even think I mean it from like a commercial standpoint. I just think, I always think about songs in terms of efficiency. Right. And I would never want to like sacrifice a song breathing for that. Right. But I like efficiency in songs. Yeah. Mm. Like, like, like sometimes it's more powerful to say it less. Yeah. Right. It's wild to think about that they haven't they haven't actually written shorter songs since Load and Reload. Yeah. Hardwired. Hardwired. The song Hardwired is yeah, short. Yeah. Hardwired's really short. And Looks Eternal is short. But as far as like uh like like. Those are like one or two on each record, you know, where like like you, you, like, like the Black Album or something. But, like, but a lot of Load songs are long, dude. House yeah, of Jack Bill's long, long. Outlaw yeah, yeah. is long, Bleeding Me's long, yeah. Low Man's Lyric is long. Yeah. There's long songs on that. Yeah. All right. And then there's another solo. Oh, no, it goes back into the chorus. All right, so... Okay, here's where it's confusing. You've given back the blame... Keep me deep inside. Don't you keep me inside. Well, which is it? It's like uh, when Michael Stipe said, oh, no, I've said too much. I haven't said enough. Well, which is it, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And then I don't know if we need to repeat this last, like, This is one of those trim the fat parts for sure. Now that I'm exposed inside, trying to light in cyanide, I'm no longer needed here. That feels a little bit like a poem I would read my daughter to help her encourage her to f- deal with her feelings. I'm no longer right. needed here. Now you face your biggest fear. And I hate to be nitpicky. The song rips. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Who do you think said that? That's that like the like, Ringo. That sounds like Greg. My fingers are bleeding. Oh, I love this intro with Rob. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another moment that I don't think they've ever done. The way this bass sounds. Dude. Yeah. Totally unique. I mean, what other song sounds There's like nothing that? like that Jason does it sound like that. And he's playing with the pick. Why did you make it about Jason? Often. He was the pick guy. Flip was the finger guy. Rob does both. Mostly fingers, though. This all, song also sounds like it's in F sharp. That bow, dangle, down, down. Yeah. Well, the key change is nice for the ears after the last song. You get a little break? Yeah. I like that little toggle switch dead pickup eh, thing eh, yeah. that's James James yeah. loves doing that shit yeah. sleepwalk my life away if Lou Reed were the vocalist <laughs> I cut her tits off and ate take a bonnet take it deep walking breath you. hope the blood arrives I took a poop in a bonnet <laughs> I ate a sandwich with my dad he was a ghost from hell <laughs> 72 seasons long. <laughs> 72 seasons long. Oh, dude. That's some funny stuff, dude. I'll say when we get to it, this is one of my favorite courses on the record. Goes up to goes up to the major. Goes from like whatever they'd be the the minor 6 to the 1. 
All right, Mozart. <laughs> if Mozart what lives else in is Nashville. it do? Is it in Phrygian or Lydian? <laughs> Again, another great pre. Great pre. Dude, this pre is sick. This chorus right here going up. I can kind of see an argument for this being low-dish also. Yeah. Although, I'm, you know what? I'm, I don't even want to do that. I, I it sounds like that. Man Unkind. Uh, yeah. kind of does. I love that Which chorus. Which is F-sharp. That's pretty good. Midnight Sun. Wait a second. The moon. Man, James sounds so good. He does. God, dude. he does, man. That's a cool lyric. Yeah. You're yeah. stuck in a dream where even when the sun comes out, you won't. It won't end the dream. Priest fucking sick. Yes. <laughs> really good. Get that harmony, Paul. Caught in the spell I'm dreaming. Yeah, the, the chord progressions are really lotus. Are they? You think so? That kind of stuff? There's some like weird protective thing I mean it's like leave the loads out of it yeah. I mean this shit rocks yes. yeah yes man sometimes I feel like I'm sleepwalking my life away. sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner <laughs> sometimes I feel like my only I'm friend. all alone is the city I live in the city of Nashville? <laughs> city of Hendersonville. I love that part. That's awesome, yeah. dude. He's landing it, too. That's clean. Yeah. I, I love the solo. Yeah, same. my favorite album of all time. Best British rock band ever. Heavy. Three, four. Dude. Dude, the groove? That's some Pantera shit right there. That's groove. Walk! A new level! Oh. Fucking hostile. Shim Tara. Me going so hard in the paint on Scam Tara has ensured that I will not be doing Thrash Into Me with Charlie Bonanza. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> the 
I feel like this song flows really well too, like between all the parts. There, there's not a ton of fat to be trimmed on this song. I mean, shit, dude, you take Screaming Suicide out of this front pack. Like, if this had been track three. Yeah. Great hook. Man, James is such a master. I mean, I don't know who's better at making thrashy, medley choruses be so melodic. Right. Like, Bruce Dickinson did it. I don't even think Phil and Someone did it that great. Yeah. And Pantera was really all about power. Yeah, yeah. Like, who else made him so hooky? Like, Ozzy. Good moment by Lars. Yeah. Like, who else made these choruses sound so, like, hooky? Well, this is why Metallica is the biggest of the big four, or the biggest metal band of all time, is, like, Slayer didn't have catchy choruses. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, Slayer's all about speed and power. Speed and power. Yeah. Like, like Megadeth dabbled in it with, like, you know, yeah. Countdown, Extinction, yeah. and there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. You know, the chorus to Symphony of Destruction is awesome. Uh, Davis Dane, I give him credit, man. He, he got there uh, yeah. a couple of times. Metallica did it about 45 times. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This oh, is, this dude, is, I fucking love You Must Burn. This is currently my favorite song on the record. This song definitely falls in the Do You Want Heavy category. Oh, good point. Do you want heavy? Especially when this, when this riff kicks in, dude. It is. No, it gets slow and sludgy right here. Awesome. Check this out, Paul. It sounds like Sabbath True. Yeah, it does. Shattered data do to down. Down. And this might be my favorite lyric on the album. It's just James fucking going after cancel culture. That's what it seems like. I mean, what else could it be? I have no idea. Catch a fire. He ripped off Great Marley. Vocal. Foul fingers spin mob mentality. Another great pre-chorus. Yeah. I think this is one of, one of the best courses he's written in a long-ass time. Great guitar parts. That's a cool note to end on there. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's essentially that course is a key change, right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Burn. Burn, burn. Yes, you're going to burn. Dude, hell yeah. Burn, bomb track. Burn. Burn. It's, another, it's another funky radical bomb track, dude. Man, this is a cool lyric, dude. Mm -hmm. Tied to the stake, torching heresy, dude. Flame out. Killing in the name of... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take the power back! Yeah. 
Yes, I know my enemy. It's going to do the whole self-titled Rage album. Right. Dude, I love what he, he changes this line. Question yourself, you may learn. You're the witch that you must burn. Wow. Well, he's saying, yeah. if we're going to do this whole game, everyone's going to be on the chopping block. Yeah. Right. You go deep enough. Yeah. Who you're, should throw the first stone? You're from Mississippi. Yeah. What? Well, you're a southern boy. Probably did some weird shit in high school. <laughs> Dude, it's one of the one of my <laughs> one of the best bridge riffs on the whole record. It's coming up. Or I think it's after the solo, actually. Dude, this bridge when he sings it, it sounds so Allison Chainsy. When he does some of the heat of the night shit. Oh no, this is part right here. Well, this is great too. Damn it, it's coming. In the heat of the night, I just think of White Snake. Really? In the heat of the night. You got to see the film in the heat of the night. Sidney Poitier, first black man who won an Oscar. Right. I thought that was the TV show. It was, but it's a film from the '60s. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. This is different for James too. That's load. This sounds like load and reload. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Allison Chains. Yeah, this is like, there's like echoes of this on like House That Jack Built, yeah. Slither. This is the house that Jack exactly. built. Yeah. Oh, this part. This is sick. So good. And don't they do like a harmony on this too? I guess not. I love Rob doing this like girl. Yeah. That lazy. <clears throat> The boys to men. It's the boys to men. It's the I'll be there for you, or I'll make love to you, actually. End of the road. Yeah, Kirky. Dude, Kirk rips on this record. Yeah. Yeah. He's back, baby. Period. No phone lost on this record. He does do a lot of brown and on and a lot of memory remains. He does a lot of that stuff, yeah. All backs. Back to this sick shit. This is such a good part. Is this Dude. a different key than when it started though? Uh-uh. No, this is the original. There there is a riff and I think it's crowned of barbed wire that I've been trying to figure out it's stolen from something. Should we just burn the whole thing down? No, dude. It's late. It is late. I'm tired. I just love those guitar parts in the chorus. Yeah. Where they don't do the normal power chord thing. It's like the, the root and third. James writes the coolest melodies over heavy chord progressions. Yes. <laughs> Wherever I must roam. <laughs> must roam. <laughs> it's like when you die. And you like roam. And now you burn. And you know, you go on and you must burn. 
So no leads on Rome guy, huh? Not yet. It would have happened by now. Yeah. Had to have. You know, I like to think that he went on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, God, that is a fucking amazing thing. Dude. I mean, side A, and then, of course, this is where it all started. Yeah. Barn Burner. I love this song so much. Okay, here's a question. This has got to be the opener of the tour, right? Yeah. Although, I mean, the last two album cycles, they open with the first two songs. They're of- not going to open 72 seasons. No way. It's eight minutes yeah, long. It's a long one. They're going to open with an eight minute song. They're going to open with the, the single. Yeah. I'd imagine, Don't you think? Yeah, I would think so, yeah. It's just so thrashy. I love it. Well, this is, you know, dude. Uh, it's so hooky too. When we heard this, we thought like, "Oh, this whole album might be an homage to, like, throwback to their influences." Right. I'm happy to report the record's a little bit deeper than that. Yeah. But dude, this is like a stadium anthem. Yeah. Yes. You imagine being in an awesome position. I feel like Coldplay's been in this position for like 20 years now, where it's like, "Well, we're just gonna write like arena stadium songs." Yeah. This is one. I mean, they had to see this through when they were working on it like dude yeah. this is gonna crush my... how fun is that when yeah. you're in a studio and you know you, and got, you, know it. you got a thing yeah. oh yeah and all you gotta really do is just finish it yep. like yeah. get it to the finish line sometimes when I'm writing and we get a great chorus I'll say to the writers I'm like fuck now we actually have to write this song <laughs> right <laughs> right exactly cause it's too good to not really do it yeah right Why is he playing it so fast, Paul? <laughs> Ask my wife. Talitha, why do you play it so fast? This is kind of throwaway solo, but not in a bad way. Right. It's just gimmicky. Well, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Yeah. Like, it's what's about energy. Po- it's just about passion and yeah. fire. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think one of the clips I saw in the Stern interview talked about the solo, and he was saying something like he, he was basically going, he's like, I wanted it to be a, it want to be a texture or something like that, like, I maybe I, I, again, Kurt can't land things like that sometimes, but he can hardly speak. It's it's insane. Yeah, but I'll tell this: all you all you uh, keyboard warriors out there, show me a better solo. Like we forget about that. Like, let me continue this thought when the song's over. Okay, let me put a pin in it. I love this last uh, section: amplification, lighting the nations, throwback to British new wave. We'll speed on another great pre-chorus. We'll speed on nothing. Yeah. Jam. Jam. <laughs> Where's James Brown when you I'm need out him? on bar. I'm out on love. I'm Are on you love. out on love? Or I don't know. Let's talk about music. I love. I feel good. Huh. I look good. I smell good. I feel good. I, I make, make love, love good. good. She goes, well, now yet. He goes, ha! This game. Uh, Did you ever see the Jordan uh, the Jordan Peele uh, where he he recreated that interview? No, it's so it, it, verbatim. I love Jordan Peele. It's so fucking funny. Well, if he did it verbatim, why not just watch the source? The source I, is great. I guess it was for an episode of Key and Peele, but like it, it was just amazing how how well he went into the character and stuff. Here's my thing. All right, so I don't buy into this idea. Like when people criticize art, 
and someone goes, well, could you do it better? It's like, all right, look, there's people who criticize art. You can have an opinion about art right. without being able to do it better. Right. But I do feel like Kirk gets unfairly shit on where it's like, well, what would you do? I mean, right. you know, he's got the tools that are available to him. Right. He's already made his mark. Yes. Multiple times over. Like, even if he, I feel like I just did the Trump. Um, you know, the little. My little hand, hand gestures. <laughs> Sorry. He, it's not like only he, like, Fade to Black, one. Yeah, Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Like, we could probably even name Master Puppets. Yeah, Puppets. Creeping yeah. Death. He's done it many times on yeah. on records that will be listened to and cared about and analyzed as long as people listen to music. Mm-hmm. And that's no reason to get lazy. But again, I don't think, maybe Hardwire he was lazy. But I tell you where he wasn't lazy, he's Death Magnetic. Yeah. Oh, God. And St. Anger, he wasn't even given an opportunity to shine. Right? Sure. And I think that's why Death Magnetic, he was fucking, came out with a fury. Yeah, yeah. he did. Hardwired, I think I think he is a human being who had shit going on. He wasn't able to be as present. Right. Yeah, for sure. Which seems crazy to think about, like, well, if you're going to make one of, like, 11 Metallica records, maybe carve out some time. Right, yeah. But he he didn't. 72 seasons, everything I'm hearing so far, like, I'm, I'm hearing little sections where maybe the solo section is too long. It's mm-hmm. like how much, like, there's, there's a couple of moments, especially in Screaming Suicide, where... Solo starts, James decides to sing a bridge that he's already going to sing again later. Yeah. Then they do another solo. Right. And so this is too much runway. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what What can he do? Yeah, for sure. Like, if you got, like, you know, the groove of Wherever May Roam, there's just more runway to do something melodic yes, and totally. interesting. If you're yeah. banging out these, to your point earlier, Paul, like, if you're just It's like, a thrash record. Well, yeah, and you just rip, like, yeah. does anyone think the Trapped Under Ice solo is, like, one of the best solos ever. Right. He's just riffing, like fucking going for it. Yeah, yeah. He's well, just fast. we made fun of my wife for saying, "Why is he playing so fast?" But it's a thrash song. What's the pre-chorus to, to the the freaking song is "Full Speed or Nothing." Yeah, let's go. You're supposed to explode into the solo. Yeah, for sure. What do we do? What do we do with everybody who I'm trying to I'm trying to as we land the plane here? We're, we're going to burn the second half down next week, right? And mm-hmm. we're we've been here all night. We're tired. Both teams I rooted for tonight lost in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> what do we do with the idea that ultimately we all love the band? Even yeah. the people that are shitting on it, right? they wouldn't be spending the time right. if they didn't just really love the band. Mm-hmm. So I, in a way, I'm trying to find a way to like forgive them for saying, well, the floor tom was EQ'd weird, and that's why I don't like right. the album. Right. And it's like, I don't know. I just think it's really hard to, to come to a conclusion of course, our gut right away is like, whoa, this is rad, or, or I don't like this. But to come to a conclusion about your thoughts on an album compared to your thoughts on an album that you've listened to for 30 years, and you've heard this record for five days. Yeah. Like that, you know, you need time to absorb this But stuff. I think that only applies if a band's been around a long time. Because the point I was trying to make earlier was, you didn't need any time with Ride the Lightning. Right. As right. soon as you heard For Whom the Bell Tolls, as soon as you heard Fade to Black, other other than the Trues, mm-hmm. who were mad that there were acoustic guitars or whatever, as soon as you heard Creep, you went, this is the fucking jam. Right. As soon as you heard Inner Sandman. Yeah. Unless you were a Rosie's, you know, leopard glove wearing True. <laughs> right. <laughs> you went, the video scares me, the song's pinging me. Like, I remember feeling that way about Plush. Like, yeah. that song just scared me in a way. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. And I remember you, I used to just watch MTV and wait for the video. Yeah. And that was the new shit, you know? And then Vaseline came out, and I wasn't going, well, it's not plush. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was going, well, this is Vaseline. Mm-hmm. This is Interstate Love Song. I mean, is that how it works with every band that's been around for a long time? Like when you listen to, you know, whatever, a later, I used Aerosmith as an example last week, but if you listen to like a later Aerosmith record, like Honkin' on Bobo or whatever, right? you're always going to go, well, it's not permanent vacation. Right. But, but or, they did do that with Get a Grip. Oh, Get a Grip was great. Because Aerosmith had 15 years in the can by the time Get a Grip happened. Right. More than. Was it more than that? Yeah. Yeah, made 20 years. Yeah. I mean, the first record was, what, 71? I mean, they had Walk This Way and Dream Mom Dream was on their first album. First album, yeah. Yeah. I think Tool did it with their last album. I, I Like, for all you Tool nuts out there, and you saw it. Oh, dude. I have it on vinyl. There's a couple of... <laughs> I haven't even done that. Dude, it's amazing. There's a couple of songs on the new Tool album that are as good as anything they've ever done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's so rare. Like, right. did The Clash do that? Um, like no, who, they they burn hot and bright, and then and most out. do they burn up fast. And yeah. most do, yeah. Like who 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 delivered something late in the game that was uh, like I, I, Neil Young, Harvest Moon ninety what was that ninety two ninety three Harvest Moon. Yep, uh, McCartney, Memory Remains Full or whatever. Memory Almost Full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memory Remains Re- Full. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you're just combining yeah, yeah. all of our passions. And Chaos and Creation was oh, Chaos and Creation is incredible. That's the one I'm thinking. Yeah, of. the Niles yeah, yeah. Niles Godrich one. Uh, yeah. Emmy Lou, uh, Wrecking Ball. Wrecking Ball. Yeah, but those were covers though. Red Red Dirt Girl the, also covers mostly all of those. Daniel and Wow, man, uh, you know I think for my money, this band, if you're open, I think it it comes down to expectations. Mm-hmm. So. If you have any expectations based off of previous Metallica records, you're probably going to be disappointed in some way mm-hmm. because you're you're wanting to relive something that you heard on a previous record. Right. And I think those people can probably go back in time to whatever record it was that made them change their mind. And every record after that, I think their mind was already made up before the record even came out. Well, it's not mm-hmm. going to be this. Right. So then when it's not, it's like, see, I told you. And music's such a weird thing, man, because... We usually we usually lock arms with records that we we find in our formative years that are attached to real, uh, just visceral like experiences of yes experiences and, and memories me. right yeah. and and it's so much bigger than that piece of art. That's why I have this this idea of thirteen. You know the things that happen to you when you're thirteen will stick with you forever. Right, right, totally. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the records that I still go back to. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, to be even if even if it's a uh, new radicals for you, <laughs> right? Well, it's the black album for me. Yeah. So, and for me, it's load and reload. Yeah. I can't at forty, whatever I am now. You're forty. You're forty. Forty three. Uh, compare how I feel about the black album at twelve to how I can comp- feel about this at forty three. Mm-hmm. It's it's impossible. That is such a big piece of. Why I'm finding this confusing, I, right. I, and I, I don't know how this will resonate with our listeners, who I think cut a large swath of age, right? But that is a big part of it. And if you're not there yet, listen, dear listeners, <laughs> you'll get there, and you'll understand. I think that's why I'm actually connecting with this more because, as an aging man who's still trying to make music and chase after a dream, this is inspiring to me because it's guys that are still hitting the bar at 60. Mm-hmm. But that's a guy, I'm I'm looking at it with no expectation of it fulfilling anything that their music in the past fulfilled for me. Man, hearing you say, I got to give a shout out to my friend Kevin, who you met when we went to Tool. Yeah. He was Rodney's yeah. drummer. Mm-hmm. 
dear friend of mine, he's in his early to mid 50s and was never a Metallica guy. Mm -hmm. When he was coming up in the 80s, he was a New York, New Jersey guy while that was happening. And he got signed to a label. He was in a rock band called, called uh, God, what were they called? Kid Crush. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They were signed to the same label as Pantera. Mm -hmm. and, the, and he tells me, he's like, we hated Metallica. He's like, I saw Metallica at the channel in Boston with wow. Cliff. Wow. But we hated him. My whole Metallica thing is like fascinated him. But now that he's of a certain age, like when Hardwire came out, it hit him hard because he goes, these guys are my age, maybe a little older, and they're still great. Mm -hmm. Right. And he just, to this day, he, he's been hitting me up about 72 seasons. He bought, he bought like two or three of the variants because he oh, goes, cool. God damn it, he's a vinyl guy. Yeah. And he's resonating at his age. He's about 10 years older than us. Right. And he's just going, he, he's putting it where it goes for him, which is these guys all those years ago, maybe they were peers in the 80s. Now we're, we've all ended up, we're even it up. We have these careers. And he looks at them putting out looks at Turner, and it fucking inspires him and mm -hmm. amazes right. him. Right. And that's different than when you're 12 and you hear the Black yeah. Album. Or for me, 13, 14, hearing Until It Sleeps and for sure. Ain't My Bitch and shit. Yeah. And two, I think this is not to be looking down the nose at anybody that says, I don't dig this record, you yeah. know, and they're Metallica fans or whatever. But yeah. I'm not trying to relive any of my past by listening to this record. If I want to do that, I'll listen to the Black Album or Load. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is funny that you even say that because most people would say Master of Puppets. Right, right. Well, I'm the but, wrong but, age for that. Same. You know. That, that's me too. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'll listen to Load. I would even go beyond Black Album. Was like, what, load, one load, was load, the load. first Metallica song I ever heard. Okay. Same, same, yeah. So to land the plane, I think what you're saying, and I've been trying to say it, I think, Ethan, the past couple of episodes, but we've been so fried on tour, but like, Everyone's going to have to put it where it goes. Right. Even the Metallica's putting it where it goes. That's right. what James saying today that I read the interview with James today and it made me want to cry almost in a way because he said, you know, I think we made a fantastic album. And that's all that's all they thought the whole time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. I just think we made a good album. Right. And how people accept it is just out of their control. Mhm. Mm and yeah. they've been through you know, they're the they're a U2. They're the Beatles. Mhm. Mm they're a band that's always changing. Mm -hmm. And man, when you ch people don't like change, change scares people. Right. right. And and you get visceral reactions from change. Yeah. And some of it's unwarranted, some of it's petty, but some of it's kind of legitimate. Like, dude, the guy that like got into Metallica because of like we're going to kick some ass tonight and wear leather. Yeah. Yeah. When they when he starts singing Mama said in 95, 96, that guy if he didn't grow with them, right. He can't go there. No. And it's easy for me to say, well, you're an idiot or I'm smarter or something. But that's not even really true. No. You just, you just, you can only go as far as you can go. Yeah, for sure. For my musical taste and, and, and my love of bands evolving and changing in a cool direction, probably has to do with, you know, speaking of 72 seasons, of how I was raised. My dad raised me to be diverse in my musical taste and to try new things mm -hmm. and to try different styles of music on guitar or things like that. And so... You know, I wasn't a kid that got introduced to Metallica, and that's all I listened to. I think we all know? share that. Yeah, yeah, for sure we do, yeah. Yeah. We were six years into this, so I, but I think maybe the first few years into it, people were surprised to hear that, like, you're, like, super into reggae and, like, ska and dub. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that Paul and I cry to Duran Duran records. Or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. They well, all know I, us I think now, that's why people connect to this podcast is you guys aren't drinking the Kool-Aid. It's legitimate love of music that's affected you great songs mm -hmm. yeah. yeah to me i think that's what what this band still has to offer 
is mm. it's, it's not about something that they've done in the past. It's if if I were to put this on and it sounded like they were phoning it in, boring, out, totally yeah, for sure. Is there a band that you guys have loved, like truly loved, like the way we love Metallica mm-hmm. or Pearl Jam or Guns mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah, that went to a place with their records or aesthetically you just couldn't go. So like a band where you really like fell off in a, in a like meaning, yeah. meaningful, because there's like Guster records. I don't know, Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's not because I fell out of love with Guster. Right. But there's bands that I fell out of love with because of, they made aesthetic decisions or sonic decisions. What would that be for you guys? <sighs> the main one that pops in my head is actually their most current record, which is green day. Mm. The father of all motherfuckers record. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, Butch Walker did. Yeah. Love Butch. Hate that title. Yeah, it's a terrible title. The artwork is terrible. They even pu- pulled a piece of the American Idiot cover and put it on there for some reason. Right. I-, I have no idea what they were thinking. I just could not get into it. But right. I'm not the guy that's just like, well, it doesn't sound like American Idiot or Dookie or whatever like that. Mm. It's like, I love their evolution. My favorite record is not their two biggest records. My favorite record mm. is Warning. And and because they went into a different, it was still a you know three-piece punk rock band at the time, but they did some cool stuff on the record they didn't do on any of the records, and I love that change. Mm-hmm. This was just, this one just felt really forced and like, let's just get something out there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I, I can hear that on the record, personally. Yeah. Mm. All right, Paul, what about you? The band that comes to mind, or the Metallica fans are going to crucify me for even mentioning this band. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the first two, kind of the third, uh, County Crows records. Well, now I'm offended. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right. So like, August and everything after Recovery Silence you love. Yes. And then Hard... Oh, no. Uh, this Desert Life you only love half of. Well, Hard Candy. It's good. I, that's where they kind of lost me. Oh. It 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 feels... August and everything after and... Masterpiece. Recovering the Satellites. Recovering the Satellites are masterpieces. I agree. Uh, after that... This Desert Life. It just became commercialized and... and Interesting. Uh, not this is life. That they were kind of. That's an experimental record. But hard candy. Hard though. candy is a little too polished for Man, me. I love every song on it. But I. It's but good. I, I get it. You know what? I have lost track with them after that one record. Yeah. They did one after that called a uh, Saturday Night Sunday Morning. Yeah, yeah. And it was a double record. Where it was like a yes. Electric I record wanted to it. like that record. I didn't like that one either. Yeah. So I get it. I just did it one record later. Man, there's so many bands like that where I connected hard with their. You know, one or two albums, and then lost the plot. Yeah, I don't know what it is. For me, it's you too. Yeah, I remember I was on tour with Griffin House, mm-hmm. who you know and produced, and Jeff Irwin. We won't make this too long, but it's an interesting thought experiment for you guys at home. In fact, write in Metal Up Your Show at Gmail dot com. I slurred that. What's the Metal Up Your Podcast Show at Gmail dot com? Let us know what band uh, that you loved and you you fell off for some reason. Yeah. For me, it was you too. And I was on tour with Griff and Jeff, who are both huge U2 fans. Like, we were all in the van just singing every word to October, yeah. their second album, which no one knows that album. Mm. And they came out with this album called No Line on the Horizon. And we were all so excited. We were on the road when it came out. And we were burning it down on CD in a 15-passenger van. And I felt like everyone in the van loved it except me. Mm. And I just couldn't find a way into it. And it, it was like... I just turned a corner, and I have not liked anything new from them since then. Was that yeah. the record after um, How to Dismantle an Atomic yes. Bomb? I'm, yes. I'm with you on that. Because they did a record after that called Songs of Innocence. Yeah. That they, the like, iPhone record. <laughs> exactly. And then everyone decided, like, right. it's time to hate them. Yeah. and uh, But I had already fell off in 2011 or 10. 
because the song it just got stale or something. Yeah. This is funny. You're gonna love this. Uh, in two weeks, I'm going to New York with my sister to see Bono's. Uh, he has a memoir or whatever. I read it. It's called okay. Surrender. And it's he fucking he wonderful performs it with a band. That's not you too. No. What? Yeah. Huh? We're going to New York to see the show together. What? Like a theater? What yeah, venue? it's uh, Beacon. Yeah, the Beacon. Yeah, yeah. that's like three thousand people. Yeah, that's awesome. Wait, so he's going to perform the songs? He reads ex- excerpts from the book oh, and performs the songs. He's he's tough. Yeah, he's gotten tough in his old age. I, well, I I don't know how I feel about it. Yet. The book is wonderful. Well, did you, have you heard the album? They put out a companion album. So here's here's my dilemma. Okay. Is sorry, Ethan. Here we go. No, you're good. I'm <laughs> into this. We're still wrapping it up. Yeah. My my sister's a giant YouTube fan. It's something we connect on. Okay. Uh, is she older or yo- older or younger than you? Older. Really? And she's not in music at all, you know. But we connect on YouTube. Yeah. And she's got a son who's into music. I bought him a bunch of guitar stuff. And so we're all of us are going up to experience this you show. Should give together. him your uncle's book on pens. <laughs> <laughs> and then make him pay for it. Dude. <laughs> oh, dude. Amazing. Oh gosh. I forgot I'd said that on the- <laughs> Oh, you definitely did, yeah. Anyway, part of me thinks I should go in completely blind and just soak it all up. Because another buddy of mine said his audiobook is what he performs on stage. Okay. And that the audiobook has it's him narrating mm-hmm. with musical interludes or whatever which is what you're gonna see live he's like you should totally listen to the book and so i'm conflicted about yeah. whether i should listen to it or just go up and experience the thing yeah, go the blind. First time. having read the book you should yeah. just go experience it i think that's what i'm gonna do but but you but you too the edge put out an album a companion album really so the song is called 40 songs yeah, yeah. of surrender yeah, yeah and so it's 40 songs okay but it's basically bono's it's his autobiography right and and it's it's actually pretty engaging. It's cool. Yeah, I was finding myself reading the book, getting excited about U two again, which I'm a huge U two fan. Yeah, like I didn't need any help getting excited about U two, but it was like even igniting. Like I was going like because it's a lot of deep cuts and shit. The Edge did a pandemic record basically where he knew Bono was writing this book, and he reimagined forty U two songs. Oh wow! And they're all like piano driven, different. Uh-huh. And it's all the big one. It's one and pride and streets right. and forty and it's worth one listen, man. Right. Okay, so this is a great Are we landing the plane? Yeah, yeah. Back into Metallica. <laughs> Help me land the plane because I'll talk forever. Right. right. <laughs> so here's the deal. And another thing about Dave Matthews. <laughs> here's what I love about this Joshua new Tree. <laughs> here's what I love about this new record. Metallica has been able to do what you two has failed to do. Hmm. Which which is be interesting we're still wondering yeah what they're up to yeah where where did you two get it wrong right besides putting an album on our iphones i feel like there there was some kind of over like both metallica and you two have had massive overexposure i think metallica in a lot of ways is kind of the u2 of of metal of them and mm-hmm. the beatles of metal and u2 was a beatles extension dude that is so accurate but where where did you two step too far to where even I, as like, honestly, growing up, you two made a bigger impact on me than Metallica early on. And now the, the, the script is flipped. Yeah. 
later in my life. I don't think I could say that. I think Metallica for me is still a bigger thing. It is now for me. Right. But when I was 16. Yeah, in the 90s. U2 yeah. was a bigger deal to me. So where where did they push the envelope too far where pretty much all of... But I know why that's true for you. Because the kind of musicality and guitar playing and song structure and production of U2 records is more what you your life's work has been. Right. Your Metallica influence, I think, is like deeply subconscious and like an MTV kid, 90s Southern kid. Right. But you're... I think you would more often resonate more with like bringing a U2 texture to a record than a Kirk Hammett. I believe, yeah, absolutely. I connect with that. And that is so true. Like Metallica really never, the only time they really lost the plot was St. Anger, but mm-hmm. then they got it back. Right. U2, and I think part of it is, as cool as Bono is, mm-hmm. he kind of has this thing that's unlikable, this sort of self-important, mm-hmm. I'm sort of, like people call me Messiah, I'm not going to deny it. Right, but uh, whereas I do think James, especially There's since true Sinegar, humility, it's just there. been completely yeah. like ego death. Yes, yeah. totally. And so, and that's what seventy two seasons is—is is like ego yeah. death. And Hardware was that too. Yeah, I mean it's real. It's real. It's real shit. And they still have stuff to say, and they still are inspired, yeah. and they're still excited. And yeah. Bon and Bono, he's not uninterested in ego death, but he's not pursuing ego death. Right. right. Bono is more pursuing. Um, you know, I, I. Bono looked at Dil- Bono. Bono wanted to be Bob Dylan, like every great artist. Right. And whereas Dylan said, "I don't want it," Eddie Vedder said, "I don't want it." Right. A lot of people said, "I don't want it. I don't want this job." I think Bono, when he got it, said, "I think I can do the job." Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's waving the flag at Live Aid. He's pulling the chick on stage. Yep. They're crying. Apart, he's screaming apartheid. He was like the guy ready to take the job. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Michael Stipe didn't want it. Eddie didn't want it. Yeah, Kurt Cobain. Uh, Kurt, Kurt killed Definitely himself not. over it, right? Yeah. Sensibly, a lot of our and James doesn't want it. Yeah, and never wanted it. Yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head, man. That's so interesting to me. I think the uh, humility aspect of bearing the cross of I'm a rock star, but taking it back to real personal stuff versus. Uh, what you just said about Bono, like, yeah. like I'll be that guy. He kind of wanted it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he did a good job, yeah. But Michael Hutchinson, I mean, most of these guys didn't want it, yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah. it killed some of them, yeah. Yep. Like, who are the guys that wanted it and did a good job? I mean, Scott didn't want it. Scott Wilde didn't want it. No, Chester didn't want it. Maybe Chris Martin. No, he's reluctant, and he's. I think. I mean, I could talk for a long time about how Coldplay fits, and I know we're all tired, but Tom York didn't want it. I, I think. Chris got handed some keys, and Chris said, I'm not worthy of it. And he, Chris did a good job of removing himself from the combo. Mm-hmm. And then Chris sort of quietly, and by quietly I mean selling out stadiums, <laughs> right? got out of the zeitgeist guy. Yeah. I think Ed Kowalczyk wanted it and, f- and fucked it up, the yeah. guy mm-hmm. from Live. Uh, Dave Matthews never wanted it, yep. and he did his own thing. Um, like, who wanted There's it? people that it? want it, and then they become kind of irrelevant. Yeah, that's such a fascinating way to look at the last, like, 50 years of music. Yeah. A lot of the 80s guys wanted it. Didn't have the talent, though. Like uh dude from Poison. Yeah, Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. Or, yeah. or, or the Motley Crue ca- Cats. Yeah, Def Leppard. Great, great songs. They did want it, though. Yeah. But that was kind of in style, too. Yeah. Was to want it. 
you know. Do you think um, you think Angus Young wanted it? Gosh, that's you, a hard you think one. Slash wanted it? What no, about Axel. Oh man, I know this is such a fascinating. <laughs> we should. <laughs> this is a whole other side episode. Yeah, we should do an episode on this. Man, the Slash one. I don't think he wanted it. I think it. I, I think, think it he had to, to it do happened it. To him, or it happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's such a special yeah. cat that when it happened, he it's like a lightning striking. Yeah, right. I would put frontmen and guys like Slash in two different categories. Freddie too. Mercury wanted it. Yeah, and had it, and had it, and did it. Yeah, yeah. But then his his extracurricular shit killed him. Yeah, man, we could do a whole episode on this. Yeah, we could. John Lennon wanted it. He did. I think so. He did. He did well. He, his whole deal was he saw Elvis and said, "I want that. Yeah, I want whatever this." And then is. he tried to turn it for greater purposes. I think he's an interesting case study in that he wanted it. He wanted it for the right and wrong reasons, and then he got it. And then when he got it, he did a good job and he failed. Yeah, he's one of the most fascinating guys in rock history. Mm. I believe he he occupies a lot of different levels. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And he backed it all up with the with the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was also really smart and cerebral and like tried to do good, but was a fucking heroin junkie and married right. some of the wrong people and got caught up in some of the wrong shit. Had some bad ideas, but had some great ideas. Wrote some of the best songs of all time. I mean, right. what do you do with that? Yeah. Right. You got a guy like Paul Simon, who, in a lot of ways, was basically a punched up John Lennon, and who who basically wanted to be John Lennon. And he wrote all his great songs and then kind of just stayed under the radar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What do you do with that guy? Yeah. Or like uh, two guys that never wanted it were Gene and Paul from Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted it so bad. <laughs> I mean, this is a whole other thing. I mean, they wanted it so bad that they overcame their very intense limitations. Yeah. And gener- self-generated something that people will care about for all time like beatles level right like the two bands that b- people merchandise the most mm-hmm. are the beatles and kiss yeah name another band more merchandised yeah if you're two poor jewish kids in fucking brooklyn in the early 70s late 60s yeah and you will that to existence mm-hmm. it's crazy and i think wrote some pretty good songs along the way mm-hmm. sure the problem is if you wear makeup no one will ever take you seriously <laughs> yeah <laughs> and ghost is going to deal with that yeah that's Alice Cooper dealt with it, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. If your way to if your way to rock a ship out of whatever neighborhood you're in is to wear a funny thing, yeah, no one will ever take your music seriously, right? For sure. Even if you deserve to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. and I think one of Paul uh, Paul McCartney, one of Paul <laughs> Stanley's great um, warpings and poisonings is that he knows he was writing good songs, but he knows he'll never be taken seriously, right? And it warped him and fucked him up. Mm-hmm. And turn him into kind of a, you know, fraud syndrome, sort of self-destructive monster. Right. Where it's like, dude, you just wrote the good songs. Just be cool. Yeah. But he can't. Can't land it. Well, it's it's why we as outsiders, when bands break up and everybody does solo projects, we're like, why couldn't you guys just figure it out? Mm -hmm. But there's a need there to prove, can can I do this on my own terms, you know, without... The band, or without the makeup. Yeah, you know. that's why they all, I mean, look at anyone. That's why David Gilmore, Roger Waters, right. yep. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, yeah, Simon and Garfunkel, whatever, Tales Old as Time. 
Ethan's getting tired. I'm getting real tired. <laughs> this is like the most interesting combo of the whole episode. I know. Uh, let's man. land the plane. We'll be back next week to pick it up. Oh, yep. yeah. More insight, more talk about Paul Stanley's psychosis. Right. <laughs> and the back half of 72 seasons. So we'll sign off. Let's let the babies go. Peace. Adios. Thank you. <laughs> If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.